out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to episode 640 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, Thursday, February 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by a pair of award-winning co-hosts, Justin Mason and Jason Collette. Boys, we did it! Yay! We did it! We won the FSWA Award for Best Baseball Podcast, and I have to thank the listeners for sure, because if they don't listen, uh, it doesn't matter how good we are, and uh, thankfully... The, the the academy felt felt we were good enough to uh, whoever votes on that I believe it's like independent art like people lis- who listen to the podcast and read the articles for the awards too so it's not just yeah, like, like the industry professors. yeah so that's awesome I'm super excited I've been wanting to win this award now for a while we've been nominated a few times so this feels great guys uh, well done by everybody involved yeah whoever paid off the judges for us we really appreciate it I mean that was just superb and uh, yeah, it was I cool. They like called me. I would just like to point out that I, I joined the show as a co-host like almost exactly a year ago. Just well, Eno said that we had to get rid of him, and mm-hmm. that was the, the yeah. impetus. I, I I feel like or, Steve Young know. winning a Super Bowl after you know after being in the shadow of Joe Montana. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 totally it. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. But uh, no, I mean it's it does feel great to to bring home the award. And uh, I think we get an actual award, right? That I'm yeah, going to bring. Yeah, we do yeah. awards. Yeah, you you got to bring it because I, I want to see it and you know put my fingerprints on it because it's like acrylic. So, 
Because uh, they picked it up. They usually pick it up. They brought mine to Tout Wars. Uh, I'm looking at it. The In 2014 Tout Wars, I got my 2013 Rider of the Year, and they gave it to me there. So somebody was there and picked it up live. Maybe it was just Andy. I, yeah, I forget, but Andy. somebody gave it to me. Somebody gave it to me there. Because I got, I have one individual one coming, and the Rotowire magazine. Yes, congratulations on your year. baseball there series too. as well. I don't know which series it was. <laughs> I guess it was the collect calls. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, how many do you have? Yeah, the bold prediction one. As many of those as I did with this time. Maybe somebody oh, was yeah. like, "Damn, that guy picked Christian Yelich as the MVP." Isn't that's the winner? Isn't that under your? <laughs> You're bringing that up every episode, and you You're have damn to. Right. Yeah, you have to ride that one. Um, isn't that under the collect calls though? Too, I thought it, I thought it would just it be is. your I your think, entire yeah. series. They don't really tell me what it, what it was. So, but that's awesome. Congratulations! Thank yeah, you. so we we pulled pulled in some awards. Our, our own Alex Chamberlain, yeah, Alex. Uh, he won. He won again. Dude, that, so was such a tough, that was such a tough category, honestly. And I'm so was ours, by the way. It. Yeah, it, they all were. But that one, Alex was particularly because I enjoy all those dudes. But yeah, I, I told you this when y'all brought Alex on board. He was like one guy that I was reading that made me think when I read his pieces. So I was like, not that That's everybody does. But not to Alex stuff, challenges but... me. He challenges things that I have, like opinions that I've had, I, and I read that. I'm like, oh, I guess I need to go revisit that. So that's what I always enjoy reading Alex's stuff. Yeah, he's he's absolutely fantastic. I have to figure out a way to uh, get him to write more. Plus, talk. We should have him on, by the way. Yeah, well, he's got that so, Hawaii time zone, so we tend to record kind of early. So wait, he's in Hawaii? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he moved to Hawaii, I think, like a year and a half ago. So not what only is he a professional, idiot. yeah, fantasy sports writer, he also like works from his home in Hawaii. See, this is the advantage wow. he has, though. He can stay up and watch late night baseball, and it's over at it's, seven it's o'clock. It's a huge disadvantage because yeah, they black dis- yeah, out. Exactly. They black out all of like six teams, yeah, right? Like yeah, all oh, of the West Coast right. teams. When that. I was in Hawaii in May, I couldn't watch like any game. And it's it's too late. Like if you have to go to bed early, like I I, I like I think the Central is perfect for me because I can get some night owl games in with the uh, West Coast, particularly if they go long. Um, but I think West Coast would be the best if you work, you know, standard eight to five and you have to be to bed at a normal time to get everything in. Yeah, West Coast you get awesome. that Hawaii. That's that's a little bit much. But I like actually having games at night. So I would prefer I, I prefer Central. I don't like things starting too late so the East can piss off. And that's where most of the cold weather is anyway. But uh, Central Central for the win. Um, anyway, we wanted to have Jason on. If you, as you listen to this episode, you're going to uh, hear about some interesting things that uh, happened in the past because mm-hmm. Jay- Justin and I recorded our entire first base preview and talked about some uh, potential moves that are now finalized. So now that we have Jason on, let's wrap up this intro by discussing the official JT Real Muto deal because it's done. Jason, Justin and I only talked about the speculation of it, and now we know that Real Muto is going to the p- Phillies. For Jorge Alfaro, pitching prospect Sixto Sanchez, and another prospect, a smaller, uh, a lower level one, Will Stewart. So since I've already talked to Justin about it a bit, I'll still get his final thoughts. But I want to know what you think, Jason, about this particular deal when you heard it come through. So like uh, like that deadweight Eno said that we had to cut to get this podcast <laughs> to really grow. Yeah, He made a tweet like, hey, anytime I can take my catching situation from 29th to 1st, I have to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll give up Sixo Sanchez. Then I take my one of my best friends who is a Phillies fan, and he's like, wait, we traded Sixto? F my life. 
No, so, they're they're, they're coming prospect. From, exactly, and, and that all gets injury. back to it. All gets back to ten step. I saw somebody else tweeting way about the there was some Philly had some concerns about his conditioning already, but maybe that I don't know how that little rumor was floating out there. But pitching prospects and you know pitching prospect who's never pitched above high A, yes, and the threw potential. forty-seven innings last year. <laughs> the potential's out there. But I told you guys off air, I thought this was how the Marlins were going to get somebody that's closer, that, that's zero to one or zero to two years away. That could be a that could be an everyday guy for them. So there there's was a chance. There's the chance that he could be an everyday guy for them. There's also the chance that he could be on a surgery table by this point next year. Well, the earlier chatter had them getting um, one of Medina, Moniak, or Hazley with with Sixto and Alfaro. I thought that made a you know that was pretty big. I thought that was a really big return. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to make up for some of the bunk trades they made when they traded out their outfield. But this, uh, I don't know. I, I'm an Alfaro guy, though. I kind of like him a bit. I think there is some improvements he can make in his profile. He really needs to strike out less, and that's that's the toughest thing to project because you don't usually see guys who strike out at a 30-plus percent clip like really change it. He might be able to get into the high 20s, maybe mid-20s, but it's it's not a great bet, and he doesn't walk at all. But he does have some speed. He's got power. He's got an arm, but I don't think he's very good at framing, and that's what Eno was talking about with the 29th-level catcher. Um, yeah, Sixto is a premium prospect, but he is still a pitching prospect, and that's always worrisome. And, and you know, going to be age 20. It's a long way out. Two years of JT Real Muto could feasibly keep him. Obviously, we'll, all, we've, all we've heard is about is the money that Philly has. Exactly. They could sink some of that money into Real Muto and keep him for three extra years, You know, make it a five-year type of deal or something. And then all of a sudden, they're set behind the dish for a good while. So that's a pretty solid move. Let's talk about Real Muto now in Philly because he was already possibly the number one catcher. He was no worse than two. It was either Sanchez or Real Muto without a doubt in Every draft, there was no exception. At least I haven't seen it in anything. Um, does he? Does Real Muto? I'll ask you, Justin, first. Does Real Muto now move to the number one guy going to Philly? I think so. I mean, it's such a huge park upgrade and team context upgrade. Uh, I think I already had him number one, but I, th- yeah, I, th- I think there's no question he's the number one catcher off the board now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm looking right now. I did have him number one. He, he moves up higher. His ADP was 61. Jason, where do you think his ADP lands for uh, mid-February and beyond as we go into draft season now that he's a Philly? Once everything starts to take effect with the Philly drafts for Real Muto, where do you think his ADP is going to be? Around like the four, uh, the end of the fourth round, early five, so like 48 to 52. And yeah. that's just a standard 12 team. I mean, we, since you you overslept on the catcher episode, Justin and I had to had to suffer through that one alone. Uh, I think I did. Exact... I did a solo one though. I, oh, I that's right. That's it. true. I slogged through the catchers yeah, by myself. That's just being a masochist. <laughs> but I think my I think my exact comment was that Real Muto is number two until he gets traded. Then he instantly becomes number one because I my concern is if he stayed in Miami, who the hell was going? Why would you pitch to him? No exactly. need to at all. Now yeah, he's exactly. now he moves and is and he's going to be in a better lineup situation. He's got guys all around him. I mean, right now Roster Resource has him hitting third behind McCutcheon and Segura oh. uh, ahead of Ross uh, Hoskins. Imagine when they add 
either Harper or Machado. Exactly. It's just, oh, yeah, they that, need that, to, that lineup is going to be Machado should like that should happen anytime. They they need to get that just done and, and then just launch Michael Frank uh, Franco into the moon. Um, <laughs> or I thought honestly, I was I was looking for maybe Franco to be part of this somehow. Of this deal, yes. And exactly. then it would have been clear sign like okay. Something's happening here. Or an uh, outfielder or Nick Williams. Like one of the ones, one of the players to open up the Harper spot a little bit more could have been part of this deal, you would think, but they, they didn't do it. And so there is still a little bit of that blockage. But that doesn't mean that Machado or Harper should stop. Right. Or they That should stop Philly from wanting one of them. Um, yeah, I actually, you know, I don't hate b- betting on the Sanchez bounce back. Does he become... I don't know. Maybe he doesn't because his price won't really change. But does he become more appealing now that he's the second catcher going around plus later than Real Muto for you? I don't, you know, if, I don't know if that happens because right now, right now they're one pick apart. Their ADPs are fifty-seven and fifty-eight, and Real yeah, Muto is already number one. But I don't. Yeah, but Sanchez isn't going to jump. Wait, what? What? What is your? Uh, what are your thresholds here? What are you looking at? Because I've got online championships from the. Oh, I'm looking at all drafts, not auction. Okay, from well, November first, I would either do draft champions or online from okay. the first um, because there Let's are some different things. Yeah, cut and, line and, messes with that. Yeah, in online, um, Sanchez is first at fifty-five, and then Real Muto at sixty, and I do think that Real Muto leapfrogs him to say forty-five, but then I don't know that Sanchez jumps with him. So I think Sanchez might be about a round cheaper, and I know again I don't know that that makes him more appealing. I think it's just that he'll be the second catcher off the board now in most leagues. I don't I think have a draft gonna... strategy where I do that. I mean, my so I don't far, pick either the one I, the one you and I are in. I, I took Ramos and I took him in the ninth. I love Ramos. Tenth, yeah. I took him that late, and I don't have a draft strategy where I'm taking Real Muto or or Sanchez. I wouldn't right, mind let's... pulling the trigger on either of them, uh, in spite of the fact they're going a lot higher than I, I probably would normally want to take a catcher. I just haven't found myself doing it. I'm just Correct. too busy taking pitchers or, or, or you know, bats to I tend uh, I tend to come it. out there too, uh, where I would I would take Real Muto or Sanchez in the right scenario at that pick, uh, but that that hasn't really come to fruition because I usually need a pitcher or something around that point. Um let's talk about Alfaro then. He's gonna get the free and clear path now, hundred percent playing time or you know, hundred percent starting catcher, I mean, which is usually like a sixty five to seventy percent. He's dead to me. But he's but he has to be uh, a Marlin now, and so that's yeah. going to sap some of his power. Uh, dead to you, you're mm-hmm. saying, Justin? I, just, uh, I mean, like, unless his price like really, really plummets, but it just even then, he's it's... at he's at two thirty three right now. Let's say he dropped to two eighty five and went behind Tucker Barnhart as the twentieth catcher. He'd go from fourteenth to twentieth. Would that bring you in on Alfaro? Sure. No. Jason said no. I'm saying so. I I said it on the the the, the non solo catch episode. This guy can't hit. He can't hit. Now he can't hit. And he plays in a crappy park with a crappy lineup around him. And so if you drop his ADP down there, I'm still looking at. I I'll, I'll take I'll take Sharinos at 298, and I'll take Omar Narvaez at 345, who I just Narvaez took in our league. I just took him. I'll take Elias Diaz at 355. You know, those are all catchers I would still take above uh, above Alfaro. I didn't like Alfaro before this. I really don't like him now. See, I did like him before, but now I am a bit yeah. bummed that he goes to the cavernous 
uh, Philly Park, or excuse me, to the Cavernous Marlins Park, and uh, with that dog dog crap lineup. So that's not that's not great. I have one catcher in the league that we're in right now, Jason. I have uh, Jansen, and I was looking at Alfaro on the comeback, and now that plan is scrapped because I don't really want to do that. Actually, yeah, I, I saw be. you take Jansen when you did. Uh, I took I took uh, uh, Narvaez because I was I was oh, looking oh, at taking. Gone, by the way. Yeah, I was looking at taking uh, Diaz, but yeah, you know, that's how that situation. So I've got I've got Ramos in the tenth you're, round, then I got Diaz in the twenty second round. Is yeah, your Ramos Narvaez uh, duo was really round. nice, and uh, you got Tyler O'Neill in the twenty second round. A pick I really liked, by the way, too. I he's on my my uh, bold prediction piece that I'm trying to wrap up uh, here, and uh, I know the playing time's not there, but uh, you look at the hard hit, Draft you look skills, at the data. Boy. Yep. Yes. That's what I'm taking too. at this point. Speaking I really looked at somebody else there, and I'm hoping he makes it back to me. Just but tell I didn't me. want to pass on. I, I won't tell you. Or not. Actually, you can't. Actually, you can tell me because I don't pick before you. But there are yeah, people who might. There are people listening. I took. I basically took O'Neill there because Brian Walton was picking next, and he ended up taking Pilar, which tells me he would have taken O'Neill had I not. Yeah, so. and he would have had two picks to take <laughs> O'Neill ahead of you there. So, um, all right. Well, we're going to let Justin get some sleep, and and you just landed somewhere at home or at another destination. I'm home. I'm home until I see you yes. Tuesday. Next week be fantastic. All right. Well, um, guys, congratulations again. Yes. Couldn't have done it without you. This is a team effort through and through. And now we have to defend the title and win a second one. Yeah. Hell yes. If you don't go back to back, it's not a dynasty. Exactly. All right. Have a good one, guys. And now enjoy our first base preview previously recorded. All right. So we're going to start with the uh, the one move that we have here in a talk before we get into our first base preview and i want to talk about this brad boxberger move it's a small move but he's headed out to kc uh to go go be with the royals and he could be their closer justin you know they had willie peralta kind of having a little rebirth there and i know he got some saves for some folks down the stretch but he's not anywhere near something that you'd want to bank on with his hot 6.0 walks per nine um, and even 1.0 homers, like there, the skills simply weren't there. But you got 14 cheap saves out of out of old Wiley. Brad Boxberger has his own issues, make no mistake about it. But I certainly believe that he's a more viable option here. It could be an open race, but what do you think about Brad Boxberger as the potential KC closer? Yeah, I don't know that I buy that Boxberger is the clubhouse leader for this role. You know, I'm looking at his 18 stats, and they you were- might be. Like atrocious. Th- th- he has the same BS that uh, that uh, Peralta has. He uh, walks too many, and he gives up way more homers. So y- and you're he was right. doing that in Chase Field with a humidor. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, my bad. I think Wiley. this is whoever pitches better in spring training gets the role. Yeah, this is this. There's no leader in the clubhouse right now. This is a dead heat. Uh, whoever can suck least will get the role. Now, where are you on closers and? I know when we talked about it, we've we've hinted at closer here and there throughout the winter, mentioning that as the uh, market settles, we'll know more. We're not getting a whole lot of clarity still, and there are still some guys to be signed. But we're, the, some of the guys that were re- ace relievers did not go to spots where they can close, so that didn't help. Are you going to be in on on situations like this, top end situations, or firmly in that middle tier? I think the situations that are maybe muddled. Uh, but it's on a good team I'll be more in on than a situation like this where Kansas City's going to suck. 
And yeah. so why am I diving into a situation in which not only does the team suck, but the situation sucks. So I tend to be willing to pay for kind of the top two to three tiers of closer. I'm not a don't pay for saves uh, guy. So yeah. I, I'm, I tend to stay away because one, even if you guess right, uh, what's the chance that one one of these guys actually holds down the job too? They don't hurt you in other ways in terms of your ratios. Yeah, uh, at what cost do you get those saves? Yeah, and it just and at three, like even if it's just the saves you're looking for, what are they going to save? Like maybe twenty five games, and the damage to the rest of your team in the process. I just I just don't like being in on a situation like this. Yep. 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 Um, I, I totally feel that, you know, there are some low key or low level situations I'll get in, even my, my beloved Tigers. If Joe Menez is like locked in, I mean, mm-hmm. I just drafted him in the draft and hold. He's skilled though. Like he's good. Um, well, and when he gets the job, it'll only be his, like yeah, he's exactly. going to get the job because Shane Green gets traded somewhere else. And then there's no one else behind him to really leapfrog him. Unless he's truly atrocious, you're not going to be in a poor situation. So like, I don't, that one's not one. I even kind of equate to a Kansas City or a Baltimore or a Miami uh, or even an Arizona, uh, knowing what we you know, know now with Greg <laughs> yeah. Holland over there. So, uh, like, I those are the situations I don't want anything to do with. Uh, one like uh, Jimenez or even Shane Green in Detroit is a great, like, second or third closing situation if for some reason the second if if you've missed out a little bit but third is like a perfect third of your stack Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree with that and of course we'll dive more in when we do our full scale uh reliever preview coming down the line we'll do that uh, that last to kind of try to get that one will will definitely be last just to wait off uh, you know wait as long as we can last year no because it can be such a pain in the butt too, but we're, we're, we'll do one this year and, and we'll just, it'll be the last one without a doubt. Um, this one is not confirmed or anywhere close to it, but it's heating up. It looks like again, the, the JT Roboto talks have been up and down, but now they're flaring back up, particularly with Philly at the forefront. And we're actually hearing some names, including Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro as the two key pieces. And then a tertiary piece, which could be Mickey Moniak, Adam Hazley, or Adonis uh, Adonis Medina, and uh, you know it's a big name. It's a big name trio there. You know, Mickey Moniak, former first uh, overall pick, who definitely hasn't lived up to that level by any stretch. So he'd be the he'd probably be the biggest gamble. Medina, uh, an interesting prospect for sure. He'd that'd make it two pitchers with Sixto, and then of course Alf, who I like, but they don't really need at that point if they're getting JT Romuto. And I actually don't know much about Adam Hazley. Can you can you fill me in? What do you know anything about uh, about Hazley? Who uh, I don't know a ton about Hazley. I uh, let me ref- let me refresh myself real quick. Um, I he's a former first round pick. So this is 2017 uh, number yeah. eight overall pick. Uh, I believe he has got some power that is still developing, but like okay. I don't think he has necessarily a standout tool. Uh, so g- going off of our list from Logan Hagen and uh, Kylie McDaniel. Sixto and Medina are the top two. Um, and then, honestly, though, they only have four guys who even get 50 ratings. Right then, you're, you're already in the 45-pluses at that point, and that's where Hazley is. He's a 45-plus. Moniac's a 40-plus. Hazley at six, Moniac at 11. So if they're able to get Sixto, Medina, and Alfaro for Real Muto, 
it looks like they finally won't lose a, a deal with trading one of these big pieces because I think that this will be – and you know, we, you and I talked about it briefly. I know you're going to get into it more here about no such thing as a, as a uh, pitching prospect and it's guaranteed there. But that's two quality arms that you should at least get a starter and a reliever out of. If even if you're and they're both obviously, high upside pieces. So exactly. Yeah. You're you're getting something that could be front line. One of them could end up as a front line. I mean, obviously both could too, but you you don't project that when you're dealing with two pitching prospects. I think that would be the best case scenario. And that if it's Hazley, it's a guy who can contribute probably this year. His ETA is actually 19 as uh, from our guys. And then Moniac is uh, still far out. And like I He's, said, uh, really. Here's what Jason Woodell said about Adam Hazley. Hazley's going uh, when Hazley's going good, he will left uh, he'll wear out left field with above average power to the gaps, unique unique stance with a bit of crouch and slight bat wrap. He he says he kind of profiles him to be maybe a tweener, like in between like a third and fourth outfielder. Okay. Uh, and for those who don't know, Jason Woodell, he's a for I think he was a former scout for the Brewers. That is one of the guys over at Prospects Live. Uh, and they do some really great work uh, in terms of prospects. Uh, since minor league ball got kind of uh, shut down, um, they've been kind of my go-to resource for 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 fantasy prospects. Who who was that? Sorry, uh, Jason Waddell over at uh, Prospects Live. Okay, they yes, got, Prospects Live. Yeah, they've got Matt Thompson and Ralph Lifshitz and uh, Smada is doing work over there. Lance Browsdowski. Uh, really good site if you haven't checked it out. It's a good group right there. Jeez. I need to start using them more myself. Then uh, prospects remain a uh, you know a um, area of opportunity for me, and I continue to try to get better, and I read more and more. So, uh, but yeah, I wasn't really familiar with Hazley. The other the others, I definitely did know. They got videos so, you know, of each player too, which is nice. Oh, you 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 gotta love that when you can actually get some eyes on them, particularly for me with pitchers. I, I feel like I can actually see some things there. I'm I'm still learning with that. Hitting mechanics, I am a complete zero on. I don't know what a <laughs> what a bad swing looks like to save my life. I, the I'm like a ones, fifty grade in terms of hitting mechanics. I'm like a I'm like a twenty. I I still feel like you know a good swing. I think is pretty obvious. I can be like, oh yeah, that was clean. But uh, anything beyond just a perfect swing, I'm like, I I don't know. But pitching, I've actually think thanks to the tutelage of of Doug Thorburn, I actually know a few things there. But you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on this. This would be an interesting deal for sure it would it really now how do you think this would affect obviously getting real mutual doesn't impact getting machado or harper in terms of their ability to afford it and he doesn't block off one of their spots but if you're the phillies and you get this deal done do you then go harder at one of them or is this almost a fallback of hey we got another impact piece to yeah, go with I don't think this other in, moves this doesn't impact it at all i don't think i mean if anything i think this I is a selling point to Harper and Machado. Yep. Hey, you want to win? We're not only are we putting a team to not only were we a pretty decent team last year, we are now putting a fantastic team on the field and we're going to have even more money to spend next year when Trout becomes available. So, like if you're trying to kind of give a pitch cuz I think the Harper issue is he just doesn't want to live on the East Coast or in Philly. Yeah, I think uh, he wants to go somewhere else. He wants somewhere to be else. close to Vegas. Yes, uh, and why wouldn't you? Vegas is sweet. But that's also where he's from, by the way, for those who don't know. Well, Vegas is sweet. But um, 
Uh, I got some good Vegas stories for off air too. <laughs> I told the Cincinnati one already. I just today. got yeah, yeah, I just got a good off off uh, off air story. Sorry guys, we we can't we can't do it. So I'll tell you about the time I got uh, kicked out of the circus circus. Um, but I desperately want to know that. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the holdup. Is Harper wants to be kind of in the western half of the country. Uh, but those teams aren't really necessarily willing to pay the price that the Phillies are. And so yeah. maybe the Phillies come to him and go, listen, we may not be in the western half of the country, but we're going to give you a Don't chance win. to win. And, uh, you know, or or maybe they try that with Machado. So uh, I don't think Real Muto stops them. Uh, according to Craig Mish, who is a Marlins insider. in. Yeah, I mean, no one's closer to the Marlins I think, uh, at least in the fantasy community, though he, he does obviously outside fantasy stuff too, uh, said that he expects Real Muto to be traded today. So this it may be he may be traded by the time people are listening to this. So we do have a, a kind of uh, interesting situation developing with the way this pod is going to come together to the point where we could actually, when we come back, should I just tell them everything that we're doing or, or leave it vague? I mean, you can. By the time they got really to this matter. point of the pod, they'll have already heard the open. So, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But we're doing the intro later so that it can be with Justin or Jason because uh, because of the FSWA award. And maybe by that point, the trade is done, which we would then keep this part in because it'd be really fun mm-hmm. to open, talk about the trade with Jason, and then come yes. on this part and, and like roast ourselves on on how stuff stupid that we it missed. was that he yeah. was traded to the Padres for Francisco yeah. Mejia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but we'll stay on top of that. And if it doesn't actually happen today, um, you know, we'll, we'll and it happens before we're potting. Maybe we'll just put together a quick like 20 minute or on it because that's a pretty big deal. But let's dive into first base here. We're going to go over the top 25 and 80 piece. So we're going to do a part one, part two. And I want to start with the studs, which is a thin tier. Purposefully, and I'm because I'm talking lockdowns. Does the second group are pretty studly? I will I will cop to that, but there's only two holy smokes lockdown studs in my opinion, and that's Goldschmidt and Freeman. And uh, I really think you can kind of take them interchangeably. Do you have a preference? Um, I don't necessarily. I, I think I mean I think my uh, my ranks. I don't have my first base ranks in front of me at the moment, uh, though I should probably pull them up. I think I've got Goldschmidt right in front of Freeman. Yeah, but same, same. Uh, no, I went the I went the other way. Wait, that was on my interesting. Like it, that was on my uh, top ten right now because I tried. I've been doing the lists with MLB Network, which includes kind of some of the real life aspect. I honestly, I could I could flip flop them every day. I'm so close on them. Oh, you know what? I got I got an answer for where I'm at on this. Hello, um, your boy actually took Goldie, I believe, ahead of Freeman in the uh, the draft I've been doing. So let me go see that. Are you taking either of them in the first round? By the way, while I'm looking up my team, mm, I did. I took Freeman in the first round of the RotoWire mock. Okay. And then I instantly regretted it as I watched other people that I probably should have taken. <laughs> go there goes that guy. There yeah, goes. yeah like, I got Goldie. Uh, sorry to open the uh, third pick of the second round of a fifteen teamer, and Freeman went one, two, three, four, five, six picks later. So I, I favored Goldie there. Yeah, I've got I've got Goldie over Freeman. 
so in, in my ranks, I just, just pulled them up because that's probably a useful thing to have when I'm actually talking about a position. So ideally, yes, ideally. But I, th I think it's a razor thin margin. I totally understand why people would uh, take Freeman over Goldie. I like the the move to St. Louis. I think that's a nice little. Uh, a, you know, a nice little bump in terms of value in terms of uh, the, the counting stats around him. Uh, I think he's just been a super consistent hitter. I'm hoping maybe some of the stolen bases come back a little bit, uh, being out of St. Louis, but I'm not planning for that. Uh, but I just, you know, both are amazing players. You get them at the, you know, early second round, and sometimes in the mid-second round, you're, you're pretty yep. stoked. No, I totally agree. I, I really don't have a whole lot to add there. Those are the two studs. I could see taking one on on the turn there at the 15, 15, 16 turn. Not sure I'm taking either in the first round, but if it's 15, 16, it doesn't really matter which one I take in the first round because I'm taking those picks back to back. But uh, Goldie and Freeman are are great second round picks. I, I think that they have a great shot to produce first round value. And the guy who got Freeman in the middle of the second round, uh, I believe that was Ray Murphy with Trey Turner. That's a hell of a start right there. That's a nice little one-two punch. But like I said, it does jump down a, a cut here. And these guys are very good in, in the next tier, but I think they are still a cut below Goldie and Freeman. And it's Anthony Rizzo, Cody Bellinger, Matt Carpenter, and Joey Votto. And I will mention, this is the NFBC eligibility, so it goes by the 20 games. There's going to be guys like Reese Hoskins who are going to get eligibility early, and there's going to be guys who um, have, you know, 15 or fewer games played at first base that will qualify as well. But there, it's it's still a rough position, I, I think, even with that. Like, it's going to be thickened up a little bit. But there's, there's, tr there's trouble here right now, at least in terms of certainty. We could see it flip during the year, right? A bunch of the guys in the next tier and the next two tiers could really jump up. And all of a sudden, we're like, wow, remember when we thought first base was going to be weak and it ended up being great? It's like we don't know. Uh, but we just go off of what we've got coming in. Two so years from this, ago, we thought it was going to be really bad, and then it was great. And then so last year, we thought it was going to be great, and then it was awful. So Exactly. So it's ping-ponging around. You know, Daniel Murphy is going to be getting it. Uh, uh, Ryan Braun, Jake Lamb. You know, th there's certain guys that are that are going to get up into the first base tier. But right now, we have our second tier of Rizzo, Bellinger, Carpenter, Votto at their cost. That ranges from Rizzo at 40, Bellinger 45, Votto, 72, and Carpenter, 76. At their cost, who do you prefer most? Oh, Votto. Yeah. I I, I just, like, he, to me, is still uh, an elite player. I, I know that last year was not a good year for him in terms of his overall production. Uh, he still is, you know, in the top 2% of ex-WOBA, uh, top 8% of uh, X uh, batting average. Um, the exit velocity actually went up last year. Uh, he just didn't barrel as much, uh, but he still walks a ton. Votto is ending up on like all of my teams where he's going this year. It's, which, it's hard not to. I mean, he's so good still. I mean, he's going in like the fifth round. Well, where do you think the power gets back to? Because that's obviously the biggest issue is that the power fell off and he hit, what, 12 homers, which was alarming. I think he alarming. 27 28 home runs okay i don't I'll have, take that i remember that what year was it that was it like 2016 or 2000 yeah 2016 i think like he had like no home runs in the first half 
And then all of a sudden, he just turned it on, and Eno was talking to him. He goes, "So yeah, I was just trying different things because I was bored." Yeah, and, and that's when he put. Uh, that's why we kept thinking he'd come back this year too mm-hmm. with Votto. Because and then in seventeen, it wasn't quite as crazy, but he had another amazing second. Like these second halves were just absurd. It's like he was coasting through the first half, just toying with pitchers, and then in the second half, he's like, "Psych, I'm still absolutely amazing but this and year i think he's gonna he's one of those guys that's gonna have heard all this like i'm not usually like a narrative driven analyst i hate narratives for the most part <laughs> i think they're often really really stupid uh but like if you're gonna buy into a guy who is just gonna you know go off because he wants to show you he can still it's joey Votto. And so, like, Votto, like, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't hit 300 this year with, like, a 450, you know, OBP and 25 to 30 home runs. That'd be great. I'm, I'm still buying Joey Votto. He is my fourth yep, um, mine too. first baseman. And honestly, I, I could take him over Rizzo. And I could, but too. I, I, just the ADP for me keeps him below him. Just because Rizzo's going so much higher that I just like, I shouldn't be influenced by ADP, and I, I very rarely am. But, but you can get that discount. Doesn't make sense oh, to jump. Yeah, like I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pop photo, but I'm also not gonna pass. Like I love Rizzo too, and I'm not gonna pass on Rizzo just because I go well. I can get Votto later because yes. there might be someone like me. Like if you and I are in a draft together, like we're you gonna can't wait on Votto. Yeah, we're not gonna wait on Votto. So like, don't don't just pass over a guy like Rizzo or Freeman or, or Goldie. Cause I can get Votto later. Uh, let's if, talk. If I end up with both, I end up with both. Let's, I, I, I agree. Let's talk a bit about Rizzo's uh, stats. He had one of those seasons where, you know, starting off poorly mm-hmm. and all the concerns were there. He didn't quite go full Goldschmidt where uh, he, he got all the way back to his numbers, but damn close. I mean, he had a, he had a fantastic season when it was all said and done and he, but he only had 25 homers after four straight years of 30-plus. Do we get back to the 30? I mean, he's got such fantastic plate skills. Rizzo really doesn't get enough due as, as a stud. Um, well, actually, yes, he does. I mean, he's going very high, so that's not true at all. I'm, I'm full of crap there. But he doesn't get talked about a lot. I think he's just kind of one of those, hey, he gets it done. You kind of set it in, forget it, which is fun. Uh, players like that are great. But he had a brutal first month where he only hit one homer and then took off the rest of the year. Do we do we escape that awful one month for Rizzo and get back to thirty homers, or yeah. how do you feel about him going into? Age I, I think he does. I mean, he it, after April, so from May first on, he hit three hundred three, three ninety three, five twelve, uh, twenty four home runs and six six stolen bases. I I I just. I believe that is the Rizzo we know. He had a bad month to start the season. You know, maybe, you know, something was going on personally. Maybe he just was dealing with an early injury or something like that. But ultimately, mm-hmm. he was a stud from May 1st on. And so I have no reason to believe he won't be a stud from opening day on this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. Don't really have anything more to add with Rizzo, I, I, except one thing. You mentioned those six deals. The chip-in speed for him is always nice, too. He does have mm-hmm. two double-digit seasons. That's why he compares so well to guys like Freeman. Uh, and, and even Votto's been known to have some of the chip-in speed as well. So if you miss out on Freeman and you're you're nervous about waiting for Votto, like you don't want to play that game of chicken, just take Rizzo and, and be, be, be done with it because you'll get him in the third round and, and you'll feel good about it. The only thing uh, I, I'm going to be a little cautious with in terms of like the chip-in speed with Rizzo is – he was 
poor at stealing bases last yeah, year. He was, he was six, six for, for 10. ten, and he didn't steal it all after August. Like he had no oh, attempts. Wow. And so I almost wonder, like, did did Madden like give him a red light? Go listen. We can't. We're 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 going for a playoff spot here. We can't have you running into outs. That's interesting because he's been bad before. And then, you know, been able to come back and still do it. I wonder if they did put the brakes on him and maybe going into age 29. I don't know. You know, it's, it's not a set in stone thing. It's just something to consider. Just maybe don't plan for it. Maybe you're going to get two steals. Yeah, don't add, I, don't I add those extra. I would more than like four or five just to okay. be on the safe side. I mean, his like his sprint speed is in like the bottom 24th percentile. Like he is yeah. not he is not like a fast guy. He's, he's an opportunistic base dealer. Okay. Okay. Somebody who actually is fast, particularly for uh, for the position that he plays, Cody Bellinger, had the sophomore slump. I mean, we talk about it, and it's 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 because if you come out and put up a rookie of the year type of season, it's really hard to go anywhere but down. You know, the league gets more used to you. you go usually the rookie of the year season isn't the full six month grind. So he added the the whole extra month on, played 162 games. And, you know, he just kind of, uh, we saw in the playoffs coming into 18, so the 17 playoffs coming into last year, that there was a bit, there was some holes in his swing and he was taken advantage of. And of course that tape I'm sure was, uh, was passed around the league as they were trying to figure out how to approach Bellinger and he didn't do anything really against lefties that certainly cut into it, but he came back against righties too. So it was just an across the board, uh, return. To a pretty solid level, though. If that's your sophomore slump, sign me up. He was still pretty excellent with 24, 25 homers, 14 steals, 260, 343, 470 slash line. He's going to have first base outfield dual eligibility. I do think he's much better at first base, though, because of just the depth of the position. How do you feel about Bellinger now going into year three? Do you think we surge back up closer to 17, or is he living at the 18 level? Ooh, that's it's a tough question. I mean... He, or you can cop out and say somewhere in between if you really want. I mean, I do think it's somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there are some encouraging things. Like the last two months of the season were his best two months of the season. Okay. Uh, he made, Close, you know, strong he, finish. Yeah, he, he finished strong. He, he went from a guy who uh, was about a 70% contact rate to a 75%. Uh, I think he hit, I mean, of course, of course, I then like accidentally click out of the screen. Uh, he hit 312. 388, 509 with eight home runs and nine stolen bases over the last two months of the year. Uh, okay. So, like, he, he, what you want to see is a guy be good, and then when, when pitching starts to correct on him, pitchers start to correct on him, that he figures it out and recorrects back because that shows growth from a young hitter. And exactly. he did that. And so, like, like, as much as I was very down on Bellinger coming into last year, uh, I'm not as nearly as down on him this year. That being said, more than likely by the time I get to Bellinger, I I, I will just go. I'm gonna wait for Votto, um, or you know I, I'm gonna pass on him and take a pitcher instead. So or actually probably just take Votto ahead of him uh, at that point in the draft. So uh, I doubt I will end up with any Bellinger shares, um, and if I do, it'll be like one or two randomly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I'm really torn on on Bellinger. For me, I've been taking Hoskins like a little bit cheaper. I kind of have those two close. And of course, like I said, Hoskins is going to get that first base right away. 
And uh, in that league, I was talking about the the 50-round draft and that I've been referencing the last few episodes. I got Goldie, and then I got Hoskins, too. But I needed an outfielder, so I planned to, to take Bellinger and Hos- or Hoskins after my Bogarts pick in the third round. I was like, I'll take whichever one makes it back. I don't think both will get picked here. And they didn't, and Hoskins made it back because Bellinger was, was went right after. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, you know, I, I don't see a whole lot of difference. I know the speed component for Bellinger certainly gives him an edge over Hoskins, but I don't think that uh, the the two are that far apart. So well, that's kind I mean, of a, it depends on what you're looking for. I, Bellinger is most likely going to have a better average, you know, and so I I don't I don't want to like I don't want to like dismiss like 40 points of batting average. Well, maybe not 40, 30 points. Not going to be 40 average. points. Might be 30 points. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be 30, though, either. So, okay, I actually yeah. recently just got into this discussion. And God, I, I, I was, always thought his batting average was better. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was more on your side, right? So now it's interesting. I'm u- being able to use what was used against me uh, on you because I, I kind of was having the same convo. And the bottom line for me was that they're just not that different uh, because I think you're going to get – I think you can bank on a bit more power from Hoskins and give that that extra speed if you add the homer plus sb it's going to be kind of the same the distribution is going to be a little bit different so what do you want more do you want the extra speed from bellinger or do you want That's the extra fair. pop from hoskins because this may surprise folks hoskins actually has the better strikeout rate and the much better swinging strike rate so the fact that bellinger is a 263 career hitter and hoskins is only a 249 you could make the case that those could come much closer together. Now, one thing with Hoskins, he's a heavy fly ball guy, and that's not conducive to batting average. So those extra hits that you can get with ground balls and line drives, you don't get as often when you're such a heavy, heavy fly ball guy. Um, Bellinger himself is also a fly ball lean, but not to the same degree. I think there's about an Apparently, 8 percentage yeah, point a, difference. An infield fly ball guy. Jesus, he's got a and the, 16 and a half percent infield fly ball percentage last year. That, that's that's going to guaranteed back. out. I yeah. mean, those are basically strikeouts at that point. So, you know, like I said, for me, the bottom line is that they're just not that different. Except if you want the extra 10 steals versus the extra seven to 10 homers. Where uh, where's between... Hoskins going? Because he he's obvious he's not first place he's eligible. Not that, yeah, let me get his ADP. His ADP is for Reese Hoskins is 41.2, uh, 41.8, so 42. And Bellinger is 45. They are right by each other. Yeah, I I will likely end up with more shares of Hoskins than Bellinger. Um, And I think, well, it'll largely be because, like, for me, the tiebreakers, you know, the first tiebreaker is always positional eligibility. And the fact that Hoskins will be dual eligible after 10 games into the season. They'll both have the same eligibility, though. That's why they're so Oh, cool. yeah, that's right. I always forget that Bellinger plays the outfield, too. And he, and even if he didn't last year, he's gonna. He's, that's where he's playing this year. He's, yeah. he's not playing first, at least to start. Well, then so, I yeah, don't have I just a real preference. <laughs> yeah, same here. Probably I mean, not going to end up with either, though. With a ton of shares of either. If you want the extra 10 SBs, I think that that's, that's where you look at Bellinger. But the bottom line is they're both really good. Um, let's talk a little bit about Matt Carpenter and, and actually try to avoid maybe uh, the, the constant uh, self-roasts that we have about, about last year. Wait, what do you mean, self-roasts? Weren't we right <laughs> on him? Oh, yeah, when we, when we got it 100% right and advised everybody pr- perfectly on it. Uh, he's going to, going to his age 33 season, coming on the heels of his best year ever. I mean, 
36 homers, just absolutely devastating. The 897 OPS was a career best. The batting average was still only 257. He's, he's hit better than that before, but he's never been a big batting average guy, save the one year back in 2013. The power's there, but at age 33, like, how are you running it back with him? Are you, are you, are you trusting Matt Carpenter on the heels of our spectacular failure? And we talked a bit about him at third, but I'm wondering, oh, that's another question too. Do you prefer him at first because of the, oh, the shallowness of the position? Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, it depends on, obviously it depends on who else I draft because like I said, yeah, I, if you get I'm Votto. getting shares of Votto everywhere. So I end up having, I end up playing Carpenter at third. My only concern is with Goldie in tow, he's not going to play first. Ah, yes. We talked about that at third because and, and he, so, he's blocked off now. Yeah. So what happens if like the shoulder, he can obviously hit with it. But he could not play third base last year. Like, I mean, we remember like him throwing the ball into the ground a couple times. And uh, so, what happens if he still can't play third? Do they move him to second? Like, I, I, I guess. But then you're replacing Colton Wong, who is a Gold Glove caliber second baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my only concern is that maybe. Uh, he gets more days off this year playing third, uh, and that he has a harder time reaching the same levels of uh, production because he's you know getting just a ton more days off. Yeah, I, I, that, it's a viable concern there because first base is just not there to protect Matt Carpenter. So keep that in mind. And of course, go back to the third base episode, the first one to hear more of our thoughts on Matt Carpenter and more self-roast. I, I love these guys with multi-position eligibility because we end up talking about like four times. Yeah, I know, and including the guy, one of the guys in the next one. And so I only have one question about this guy, and you'll know here right when I announce the names at the uh, what I'm calling the last chance saloon. This seems like your last chance to get what I think is a pretty strong starter. Then you're really getting into the flaws of guys. Uh, it's Jesus Aguilar, Jose Abreu, Joey Gallo, Matt Olson, Max Muncie, and Jerickson Profar. Of course, we talked about Profar at third and short. I'll just ask you a quick question about him uh, at the end there. But let's start at the very top. Jesus Aguilar. Late bloom breakout. Really showed signs of it, though, in 17-2. Just didn't have the time. Like, where where was he going to play? He did pop 16 homers and an 837 OPS in 311 plate appearances. But it's like, well, okay, he's a great bench bat. Where is he going to start with all the players they have? He overtook the position, pops 35 homers with an 890 OPS. Jesus Aguilar was fantastic going into his age 29 season. Are you betting on the? Uh, are you betting on this sticking? Because it's now a year and a half worth of high quality. Do you do you believe in Jesus Aguilar? Well, here's the thing. Have you ever like looked at a player uh, and looked at his numbers and and watched the and, you know watch film on him and and go everything that is going that he's doing is legit and like you look at everything and it's legit and you still go i still don't believe it I mean, other than kyle gibson <laughs> have you ever had wait 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 <laughs> does not explain kyle gibson in any way shape or form get out of here um no there there are certainly players like that where where you like, just can't get i just your... I, I i don't want to believe the name like it's like the anti-name value yeah no there is there is something to that uh, an anti-name value aspect, and I think it certainly happens with pitchers even more. But uh, this is a hitter, and do you think it's the age? Are, are you being ageist? I, th- I think it's how old he was when he finally kind of broke out. 
it's it's not so much that he's older because I mean I like obviously like older guys. Yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> my wife will tell you. Um, you know, but I I love Votto. I lo- I love Rizzo. I I love Carpenter. I mean, virtually all the first basemen I'm targeting this year are, are older. For so some reason, I have a hard time believing in Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. So if Aguilar broke out at, at age 25 and, and was just putting up these seasons mm-hmm. and, and was now 29, you'd believe in him. But the, the thinner track record and the fact that he really didn't break out till 27. This is my J.D. Martinez like all oh, over Oh, it again. is. This is just like J.D. For You're not some... learning at all. Yeah, this is this is JD Martinez all over again because I did the exact same thing with JD Martinez. You called me stupid. I said you were <laughs> stupid, and at the end of the season, everybody said I was stupid. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I don't know what. Like, there's nothing in his profile. Like I can literally see nothing in his profile that tells me that this isn't legitimate. Yeah, and Aguilar looks yet. Like a tr- power horse yet i continuously skip over him in drafts uh i never end up with him on my teams uh this is gonna have to change this year is there a preference for guys players behind him uh or can you lean on the fact that maybe you've already gotten Votto, you know around earlier like things like that it, it, it i mean you're being honest you're bearing your soul saying yeah. that it's because you don't trust the the player but I'm, I'm wondering if you can also build in some excuses because you might have a player already at first, or if you like somebody coming up that we're about to talk about, I guess that could give you some cover, but I like that you're just being honest and saying, I don't believe the guy probably should. Yeah, no, I mean, it's such it's an just interesting phenomenon. Spot. It's just, it really is because like, I, I just, um, I, you know, click over to my, my rankings and I have Jose Abreu and Matt Olson ranked above him. I, I don't know why. Like I, I have those, I have those two above him too. So maybe why? I have a similar situation. Well, yeah. I love Matt Olson. I'll, we'll get to him in a moment. But uh, I see, I, and I don't love Matt Olson, but somehow I've got him ranked above him. What do you think? Okay, this would be an interesting thing. Like, what, shouldn't what, he be ranked above Bellinger? Like, if you're just doing uh, the math on no, because then it he should be. Because he's kind of in that Hoskins range then. He could be with him. I don't think he should be above Bellinger. It's the same deal of you can say that um, you can say that Aguilar is going to have more power. You could, by the way, say that, but it's not guaranteed either. Mm-hmm. Bellinger did hit, what was it, 39 homers that that freshman year? 37, so let's, I think, yeah, right? Let's be clear that he can still muscle up. Mm-hmm. But if you're planning for more of the 27, uh, 28 okay, area. Yeah, he should be right behind it because the speed in Bellinger. Ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. That offsets any of like the power production uh, that that Aguilar has, he should probably. What, what do you believe the projections? Then are you looking at well, now? The bat loves him. Thirty six, ninety seven, two fifty three. All the others seem to be around thirty ninety, two forty five. Do, do you buy those projections, even the lower ones on Aguilar? I mean, I definitely buy the lower ones as like that. Like projections are are typically are supposed to be conservative. Sure. And so if we're saying that conservatively he's going to hit 30 home runs and hit like 250, that I, I totally buy that that is kind of his floor. Yeah, so the only difference between that with Abreu is you're trading a little bit of power for 25, 30 points of average with Abreu because Abreu has a lot of uh, 25, 90, 280 projections. So they're they're pretty close there. So it, what I'm saying is it's not a terrible notion that you have him – that you have Aguilar below Abreu. Let me look at the Olsen projections here. Now, these Olsen projections are pretty much dead equal. 
They're low 30s, 90-something, and 245 to 250. So they're pretty, I don't think it's bad that you have those two I'm above still gonna, Aguilar. I'm going I'm I'm to move. I'm moving Aguilar up a spot as okay. we speak. Olsen's going to be 9 for me. Aguilar is going to be 8. Well, and, and an advantage that Aguilar has over the other two, at least until we see what Chicago does, um, if they get Team one of the big context. bats. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I, mean, I know Oakland did well last year. Yes, part yes. for at least over Olsen. Yes. So, I, I mean, the only thing that's scary to me in terms of Aguilar is you know, he he emerged in, in a crowded team in Milwaukee because he was so much better than – virtually everybody who's competing for playing time with. And that was one of the reasons why people just got him super late last year is because there was no path for playing time. And we talk about this with Cody Bellinger all the time. It's like, like Bellinger didn't have path playing time when he came up, but yes, you know, the talent went out. Uh, What happens if Aguilar struggles? There's a ton of talent on that team. So I think there is a tad bit of risk that if, he if turned, he plummets, like yeah, if, if he, he just turns back pumpkins. into a pumpkin in in the first month, like he could find himself back in that short side platoon. But you know what's interesting, by the way, something we talked uh, that's been running around the uh, rumor mill or whatever about some of these potential uh, rules changes. And there's, the, I don't under, like this came out of nowhere. Like, that seems so unfair to the NL teams to say, hey, we're almost through with the offseason, but you're going to have a DH. Like some teams are super well equipped for it, and others are like, uh, okay. The NL uh, owners will never allow this. I mean, if it was up to the players, this would have happened already because they're getting correct. 15 extra you Jobs, know, contracts yeah. and. Uh, and players get to you know play longer into their career. It's like don't, win-win. Don't say they're the... never going to let it though, because then you're going to ruin the piece that I'm writing, which is it, the, the the DH options for every team if the NL adopts not, the DH. Well, I mean, like go ahead and write the piece, but uh, I've already started it. Like, so I don't. don't I don't think. I don't think it. Th- there's no like. How can you? There's change no way a it comes rule? in this year. If That's I changed a rule in my fantasy league right now, everybody would be losing their mind. It just happened. That's, so in in the Barf League, in the Barf League, which drafts this weekend, we added a new person. This Eno Saris guy. Oh, I've been hearing about that. Uh, I'll have to tell you some things offline about that guy. Mm, I don't yeah. think I would have done that. So we added him uh, last minute. He he he. Uh, got back to me. He's like, "Hey, I can do it. Look at, you know, you still got a spot for me." He's like, "I'll make." I, I told him I make room for him and stuff. Um, but I had to oh, read yeah. you the draft order, and everybody freaks out. Okay, like, this is industry guys, and like, yeah. could you imagine like Major League Baseball, who is like one of the slowest moving uh, organizations in the world in terms mm-hmm. of progress, uh, changing a rule six weeks before the start of the season? That I, I'm. That was. The most I, I I'm tongue tied on it because I'm so floored that it could happen. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the article by Rosenthal on my stream, and they said my my viewers were like, yeah, and they were saying the DH could come this year, and I literally said, no, they didn't. You guys like I I didn't believe them. I was like, you read that wrong. There's no way they're bringing a DH potential, you know, this year. Like it's just too short sighted. Like I never considered it that I literally how told did this not get done at the owners liars. meeting or the GM right? meeting? Like like this how is, is this is like this is when you have not done your final project for school <laughs> and like you like three days before you go, oh my god, I need to start this. Yep. 
And I love I love all the like people's like suggestions. Like Major League Baseball is like trolling Twitter for ideas at this point. Like people saying, "Oh, well, they should just like bat eight people. Like don't bat nine. Yeah. Like that is I, like, like the worst idea ever. I was dying at the idea that they could. Anyway, that was tangent because that would obviously give somebody like uh, Jesus Aguilar some cover if he fell off, which I don't really believe that he's going to. So, but still write your awful article. Yeah, I will write my amazing article, and it'll be fun, and I hate you so much. And let's talk about <laughs> Jose Abreu, who is coming off of a little bit of a down year for him. I mean, he'd been he'd been as, as inked in as you can get as far as like a, um, you know, not quite, that. not every season is 300, 30, 100. You, you guys are going to quibble and be like, well, he hit 292 years, and he had 25 homers one of the years. and But basically, you were inking in 300, 30, and 100, and just boom, set it. Forget it. Well, last year, injury struck. Only played 128 games. 22 homers, 78 ribbies, 265 average. That said, we didn't see a lot of skills departure that makes me all that concerned, even as a 32-year-old. Strikeouts went up a little bit, but not to a career high. It was at 20%. He'd been at 21 his first two seasons. Walk rate, right in line, 7%. Um, I didn't really see anything in the batted ball profile that was particularly uh, egregious either like nothing really changed where i was like this this fully explains it the infield fly was a career high at 14 percent, and that was actually double what he did in in 2017 but he'd been at 11 percent in two previous years so i don't think that that covers completely the uh, the batting average drop i think a 294 babip dropping certainly hurts a little bit there because he's he's been a career 329 kind of guy for jose abreu uh, maybe he lost a little foot speed. I don't know. Not that he's a fast guy, but you, you lose a little bit and you don't get as many, you know, leg hits. I don't know how many he's been getting. Let me see. He actually gets a fair number. Would do you care to guess how many infield hits Jose Abreu gets on a, on a yearly average infield hits? Yes. Uh, 20. Okay. That, that, that's way too high. No, um, five, <laughs> no, 15, nine, 17, 14, 10. So, you know, he gets he gets a half a decent amount there. I'm kind of surprised by that, but that that wouldn't explain it either. So the bottom line is he just had a tough season. The injury might have lingered and just made him worse uh, when he was yeah, it, playing. It doesn't make a ton of sense because like his barrel percentage was a little bit down, but exit velocity was up. Uh, There's no smoking gun, is basically what yeah, we're saying to say like this was it, except that he got hurt. So do you think that the the abdominal uh, the lower abdominal and groin injury that uh, he had surgery on that cost him time is to explain for this and that a healthy Abreu gets back to where he belongs yep. or where he's been, I should say. And and that's the reason I had him above Aguilar is I just feel like he is safe and consistent. He's going to hit, you know, 25 to 30 home runs. He's going to put up a 300 average or, or thereabouts. Uh, he's going to get a hundred runs batted in and probably 75 to 80 uh, run scored, and if they do add one of these big studs, maybe those uh, those runs and RBIs go up a little bit. So uh, I just think he's such a safe floor that I like that over maybe a guy with a little bit more upside, especially if I've taken any sort of risks. You know, he's a great guy to pair with like Tommy Pham and stuff. So yeah, uh, you know, get the get the upside of Pham and and then and grab a Brayu for the for the you know floor. I like that. I like that. I'm going to save you some potential uh, comments. Uh, your notifications are going off, and I'm sure it's going to bother somebody, so mm. I don't know if that's something that that, right. that you are aware of or not, but I legitimately don't care, but I know we'll get 
It's like, uh, when you do two it, hours of like great content, and then someone's yeah. like, "Did you know the notifications are going?" <laughs> Look, uh, I I will uh, I will fix that right now by turning off my notifications. I didn't realize you could hear that too. I know I could hear it. It's because I uh, I, I dropped my top one hundred or one hundred twenty one yes. starting pitchers, and people are going crazy in the comments right now. So. That doesn't surprise me. That uh, and we are going to do pitching. We were going to do it today, but uh, the formatting, like you, you copied, I believe, from the uh, ADP, right? That's mm-hmm. how you got your list, and then just adjusted. So it's last name, first name. I got to do a little bit of formatting there uh, to make sure, so I can do a little, um, a little reverse there, a little a uh, differences that we have, and all that sort of stuff. So I want to set up our first pitching episode and we might have a guest on as well so that's why we're not doing pitching but you can go marinate on his top 121 you did 121 to be one more than me didn't you yes i said it in i said it in the title okay yeah or or in in the open of it um oh i I, I, that's why i sent you it giants orange and the tigers that's what i was laughing at i actually missed that i also ranked a total of 121 because like on the pod i just want to be a little bit better than I hate you so much. <laughs> and it's more yellow than orange, so okay. Well, unfortunately, Gotta, our, we little, our little tableizer thing doesn't it doesn't spit out orange. But Great as the tableizer is, it doesn't it's have amazing. every color of the I spectrum. wish I had one for like Friends of Fantasy Benefits. I don't know. like It's incredible. It's, you may, maybe ask Sean if he would commission some work and, and put together one for you guys. Yeah, that would involve having money and being able to pay someone. But um, I mean... I can't. I mean, I don't want to speak for him. I don't know what he charges, but if he's just taking this and only making it so that the titles are friends with fantasy benefits colors, the the top bar there, how much work is he having to? You know, I don't know. I don't. You know, again, I won't speak for mm-hmm. him, but maybe, maybe you know, throw him a tenner or something. I don't I mean, know. Maybe I'll just change friends with fantasy benefits to like a green color. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're just stealing it. Yeah, and then I'm just like, what do you mean? It's you know, the property of Fangraphs. Did, did uh, friends with fantasy benefits just? Turn into fangrass like the coloring scheme yeah. is totally it's the same. Amazing. No, no, we've always had it like this. Mm-hmm. Go go in the internet archive. You can't find anything different. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to read the comments to see how everyone's. Uh, There's like 40 comments already, I think. So it's it, it'll be fun. That's not surprising. But uh, all right, back on track here. Joseph Gallo is next up, and you know, folks have just grown to accept what he is and and his flaws because his ADP is now, you know, firmly entrenched uh, just inside that top 120 at 119. And he regularly does go within the top 100 too. I, he does have a max pick of 160. So there was one league that they were like, no, we're not taking that batting average. But most leagues, I think, uh, accept what Gallo does uh, for the flaws that he has with the 40 homers. How do you feel about Joey Gallo? You you like to take uh, batting average flaws, but this one I don't think quite fits that because he's not going to spike the season. We always use yeah. Will Myers as your example, who could spike like a 280 season and it wouldn't surprise if me. If he spikes something, it's like a 240. That And that's not good still. So how how do you value Joey Gallo and he's, he's somebody that you look at at all? He's definitely a guy I look at in certain formats. So... Uh, in leagues in which I really can punt batting average, uh, I will totally do that. Like he's off my draft board in NFBC leagues. Yes, uh, especially the draft and holds. Um, but totally agree. Really, anything with an overall component. So like TGFBI, uh, I won't be on my team. All the online championship, uh, which I'll be playing a lot of this year. 
he won't be on my team. It just because there is such a low <laughs> low floor, and you have to have balance in those leagues in order to compete for the overall titles. Like it just it just drains you so much. Can't do it. Um, it, it in spite of the fact that like I I love guys who do this. I always have because I I love. You know, I love to punt the batting average. You just can't do it with an overall component. Even though, I mean, even though, like, even in your regular leagues, it's hard to do. Uh, He'll be on my team in on-base percentage leagues because I don't think people give him enough credit in terms of what he can be in an on-base percentage uh, league. Well, I mean, he was still only 312 last year, but he was 333 the year before. His walk so, rate was down a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, he should he should bounce that back up. He should be, like, 330. You, Why you talking just about hit like, against the shift and hit a 300 batting average, dude? It's exactly. so easy. Just hit against the shift. Just bunt. Just do just it. Bunt. Just go just out bunt. there and do bunt. it. Just bunt. Yeah. Just bunt every time. Come on. It's easy. It's not. Guys, okay, guys, are throwing like 99. Is that even hard? Just no. just go the opposite way. You're a professional hitter. You, do this for, you get paid millions of dollars. Yes, I love that. Uh. I love. If you're one of those people, you're dumb, okay? I'm, I'm talking to you. You're a stupid idiot. Half our Stop audience turns off the that. Well, we don't need them. They're dumb. <laughs> Actually, we need you, dummies. Stay here, please. Please, please. please love we you. Like love work. You. Um, <laughs> okay. One interesting aspect of of Gallo too is he's not a slow guy either. Now he had seven steals in seventeen, only three last year, three for seven. So he needs to figure out when to go. But the projections are all putting him back at the six to seven mark. So do you think we get that chip in speed from Gallo because he he like Bellinger is is one of those guys who's actually got a little bit of a uh, little bit of speed to him. Uh, he did not attempt a stolen base after July. Wow. So he's like a first half guy, and then he's like, I can't do any of this anymore. Yeah, he was three for two through the first what, three months of the season, and then he had an 0 for two in uh, July, and then it's they like, said, forget no, this. stop. 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 Uh, hey, you stop running right now, Joseph. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. Like, maybe he gets it back. The, the thing with stolen bases on guys like this is they're so fickle. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a desire thing, I don't even know that the team necessarily cares. It's three for seven. Like, yeah, it's terrible, but I, it's not impact impactful enough. I almost said impactual. Cool life. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's so it's it's so low impact that I'm sure they don't even care that much. But it's like, does he even want to do it? Does he want to risk? Well, it, you know, it's the Rangers too. So it's like, I don't think they care. Yeah, like this hopefully... isn't a situation. Who was I talking about before? Um, I can't remember what team it was that I was talking about before. Oh, it was the Cubs and Rizzo. Uh, oh, yeah, like yeah, This yeah. isn't a Rizzo situation in which, hey, you know, you running into outs could cost us a game that really matters. By the time like we get halfway through the season, the Rangers may try to send him every play so they can <laughs> just get a better draft. Just ke- Yeah, just keep just, going. Just, you get yeah. on base, just run. But Try, why? See if we you want can you steal to get two out. bases in one go. Can, just can you just go when they throw it to second? You just run to third, even if you're safe. But they might tag me. Out. We don't care. Just get mm-hmm. out of the end. Just so, stop. Uh, yeah, I I don't think that they will necessarily put the brakes on him. But don't like go projecting five to ten stolen bases. You project two or three, and if he gets more, then it's an added little bonus. You take the bonus. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really the right way to approach it with these guys. Um, just because if you're if you're one of those guys who really follows targets uh, and, and you're drafting and you peg in those seven and the, you don't get those extra five and the, 
I know it sounds like nothing because I got a lot of feedback. Uh, well, not a lot, but I got some feedback in my articles when I was looking at catcher and first base. Be like, well, what what good is four to six stolen bases? I was like, it actually makes a difference. Um, you really shouldn't be using targets, anyways. It's a I totally agree, especially with, that. with how much the landscape of uh, fantasy baseball, but baseball in general, has changed over the last few years, seeing big rises and falls in certain in different counting uh, counting stats you're you know what you've collected in terms of data from your leagues over the last two three four years will have dramatically it could potentially dramatically change this year and you're going to be left without something anyways just draft draft stats draft talent uh and you figure out the rest in season all right well it's looking like uh John Morosi is saying sources confirmed to Joel Sherman that Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro are agreed upon as part of the deal pending medicals, but the discussion continues on the third and fourth. So that that's locked in. So this deal's this deal looks like another step forward here from what we reported earlier. And again, once we do the intro with Jason, it could be fully locked in. But dang, this is moving. This is moving. This is and like if if I'm going to. You know, you never want to see anybody get traded to the Marlins, but if you no. if you want to see any if anybody increases in value, it's pitchers. It's pitchers, yes, finally. Because so, I was worried Cal Tucker would get moved there if the Astros wanted to get in on this deal. And and while you know they will actually like raise in terms of like the value, like how I value them, because they're going to Miami, they're gonna like lower in value. So this is the time to go buy Sixto Sanchez. I agree. And if it's Medina, jump on him as well, particularly you dynasty leaguers. Um, If they take a a perception hit like Sixto, oh, he's going to the Marlins. This sucks. And he's kind of coming off of a rough year. And uh, there's been some injury issues with him, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Like now's the time after this trade when people are like, well, screw it. He's going to be on the Marlins. Like the Marlins have a history of bringing up players quickly. We saw it with Jose Fernandez. We mm-hmm. we saw it with Brinson. They brought him up last year. Um, they had a and, ton of young pitchers up last yeah, year too. And uh, and then you know he gets that massive park. So it, that that's you know that can only help uh, a pitcher. I mean, it's the only reason like why Caleb Smith is fantasy viable. I'm 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 still intrigued by him. I didn't put him on my Should list. Be. He actually weirdly fell off when I started my list from the 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 base that I was working on. He was 117. And then with the moves I made, he didn't fall down below 120. He got deleted. <laughs> and I have no idea what because someone asked about him. I was like, no, I actually do like him. I swear. That happened to somebody in TGFBI. I just started a 21st league. I couldn't because I, I accidentally I like, deleted someone. Yeah, I deleted Caleb Smith. Sorry, Caleb Smith. I, I do like well, you. Well, that was actually the correct decision. That was, you know, that was nope. just like the, you know, intuitive nature of you deleting him because he shouldn't be in your top 120 starting pitchers and he's not in mine shut your mouth right now i'm gonna go add him and one extra so that i have 122 it's all right Um, i've I've already ranked out like 130 so i mean i have 170 i have 174 we can do this all day all right just go we can just go back and it could be like the i'm uh, gonna start ranking like like single a prospects and stuff (laughs) like that just just to get another guy in yeah um but let's move on. Let's continue with our first baseman. We've been, we've been hitting tangents. But uh, I want to move over to Matt Olson, who I've mentioned that I really like. I've been – you go look at the uh, the last five pieces by him. So, 
Alex and I are obsessed with him. We've written all of the last five pieces involving Matt, Matt Olson. He's got three, and I've got two of them, including five post-200 ADP players that I love. I think he's actually moved inside the, that margin now. Imagine, wait, was that, you know, when the hell was Matt Olson sub-200? Oh, you know why he got tagged in it? Because I talked about Ryan yeah, O'Hare. Talked about someone else. Yeah, I was like, wait, he could that? be like Matt Olson. I mean, yeah, he was so like that... 140 last year going into last yeah. season. I was like, wait, why would he, why would he be in that? But he was also in my uh, uh, my too early mock. Yeah, I drafted him, and that's why I wrote wrote up Matt Olson. I really like him, though. I do think he's somebody. Um, but why? But, but okay, why not? No, I don't want to answer a question with a question. I'll answer the question. 2017, he of course pops 24 homers in 59 games. Everyone freaks out. Mm-hmm. Some idiots extrapolate it. Yeah, they overdraft. I actually wasn't in on him there. I picked the right Matt to go for. I went for Chapman mm-hmm. over over Olsen. But then I just kind of watched because I actually ended up watching a lot of A's games. It was just a fun team. I love Matt Chapman, uh, a few other guys. So I was watching a lot of A's games. And I felt like Olsen was – every bit as good as we saw in that flourish. I think he got as lucky as he got. And by lucky, we just mean something that's more unsustainable. I don't think that there were no skills behind that 17. It's just when you have a 41% homer to fly ball rate, I think even Matt Olson would say, yeah, I was getting lucky. Like everything I was, I was clicking on uh, full cylinders there for as lucky as he got with that though. I think he got equally unlucky in 18 and, and probably should have been, um, in the mid thirties with his home run total, a 16% homer to fly ball rate for the power that he displayed for the, uh, for the kind of plate uh, for kind of batting profile that he has with his fly ball rate, his pull rate and his hard hit rate. It just didn't make sense. And as I was kind of looking over it, there was a little bit of anecdotal remembering of some long fly balls. I vividly remember them cause I was on, on Twitch and I kind of have, you know, I'm streaming on, uh, on my monitor here and then I have a game on, on the screen and he would hit one and I go, Oh, that's gone. And then it would, it would land at the warning track. And I swear that happened like three different times with Matt Olson. And so it's like just those three homers alone would have gotten him to 32. And of course that's anecdotal. That's nothing. It's not, it's not a major deal, but I really do believe that at 16%, uh, he's more of a tw- mid-20s percent homer to fly ball rate guy because of the approach that he has. And I really think we're going to see mid-30s homers this year. So I'm thinking like 250, 35, 110 is, uh, is, where, is where we're at. I, honestly, that's the fans rate. I, I don't love being aligned with the fans because those are usually the aggressive projections. But I really do believe that Matt Olson is, is due for a power spike this year. Why don't you like him? Mm. What do you disagree with? I just think he is what he showed last year, and I don't think he's like that much different than uh, guys going behind him. Like, is he that Ooh. much different than E five? No, except that he's four hundred years younger. Okay, which is a massive deal to me. And but E five is a steady twenty percent homer to fly ball ratio guy, and so I'm going to take the guy who's ten years younger. Uh, 11 years actually 11 years younger by the way e5 went 31 100 last year 32 107 oh, to be i thought exactly. e5 was going a little bit later too he's only going 15 picks later yeah so you know so you're not getting like a di- you know it's not like you're getting a massive discount i, I can understand why i i mean and I'll, i obviously don't hate him because i have him yeah you have him in this trio I, yeah of, i have him in at nine now aguilar abreu olsen um 
and it's a close trade. I just think that there's a potential spike there. If you hit 40, if if you're picking like long shot, I guess that's that's kind of in quotes. I mean, too. It's not really that long ball, of a shot. So yeah, like it's it's like the the skills and I mean he top two percent of the league in exit velocity, top one percent of the league in hard hit percentage last year. I'm uh, selling you. You're selling yourself now. I don't. Why you're don't, in. Why don't I like him? I don't know. I love him. I I really really love Matt I, Olson. He's only twenty four years old. He's playing on a good team. It's a bad park, but he's but got that, real man. But it doesn't power. stifle big yeah. power, right? Look what Chris Davis we, continues. We, we talk to do. about it all the time. Like yeah, we just some guys have real power that play any, that plays anywhere. Yeah, if you have fringe power, it's going to eat up four or five homers for you. If you're Matt Olson, I mean, hey, it did eat up some homers perhaps last year. I almost year, wonder I if I've fallen victim to this first base is bad narrative, and I just think that every guy after a certain point isn't that good. Uh, I, I do think that that happens, but I don't think that cutoff happens yet. Yeah, I think the cutoff happens probably after, you know, or halfway through the next tier or... Correct. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're in. I'm, I'm, I'm buying in. I'm, I'm okay yes. with Matt Olson. So, all right, all uh, right, good. First base is feeling here. a little bit better than I thought it would. I, I really, we're an hour in, and I, I haven't wanted to harm myself. <laughs> I don't think you're going to want to harm yourself with this next guy either, though. I do wonder if there's a little bit of Jesus Aguilarism uh, working for you, and how you feel about Max Muncie because it's right down to the same sort of thing. In fact, he doesn't even have the 2017 half season that Aguilar did Max Muncie came literally out of nowhere this dude you know the whole thing he was getting coached by his father in some you know wasn't it some college park where they're just getting some time in the cage and uh retooled his swing comes out after missing all of 17 he wasn't even in I don't even know if he was in pro ball was he in the minors okay he wasn't he was a minor league catcher he was in the minors. Um, he wasn't out of baseball, but he was in the minors. Like, and he had a great year, but it was under the radar, and it was only twelve homers. To going to twenty, or excuse me, to thirty-five homers with the Dodgers and an All-Star bid, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he was in. He was in the, the uh, home, run the home run derby. derby. Hello, yeah, sixteen percent walk rate, twenty-seven percent strikeout rate, a little high, but he's a power hitter. And you, when you take that many walks, you're getting into deep counts. Some of that isn't just. That's why I like to look at the swinging strike rate with it. On my on my custom dashboard for Fangraphs, uh, for the top bar of, of stats to show, I incre- I include swinging strike rate with it because not all stri- strikeout rates are made the same. And I think his 27% rate is just part of it's a byproduct of just taking deep counts because he only has a 10% swinging strike rate, which is not that bad for months. So I really like what he's been able to do. I don't know why the projections well, he's are so down on his 37% swing rate. Like wow, he, that is he is patient. Yeah, he and like and not in a bad way. I was trying, I'm trying to remember who we were talking about in the last pod where I said like this Ooh. guy just needs to be a little bit more aggressive. Yes, it was some somebody about uh, it was passivity versus aggression. Oh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna find it. Hang on, you, but you tell us you talk to us about Muncie and how you feel about what he can do in a follow up, and I'm gonna find that. This third is another bait. guy that I'm. Now that we're talking through this, that I'm going to come around on because there's nothing in the profile that I dislike. In spite, in spite of the fact that he is overly patient, uh, he's just got such a keen awareness of what the strike zone is. And you see it mm-hmm. in that just gigantic walk Oh, rate. Hap. It was Ian Hap. Ian Hap. Okay. So Ian Hap, I want to get more aggressive. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind to see Muncie get a little bit more aggressive because he's got that massive power. And I think if he 
you know, maybe didn't take so many pitches. Oh, my God. Could he club more? Could he go 40? I think it's – I mean – Obviously, he's going to regress from what he did last year because he hit sure. 35 in, in 137 games. So like, He might hit 35 again, but in 158 games. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so, uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, if he got more aggressive, who knows what he could do, especially because it's not like he's, like his zone contact rate is, is pretty darn good. And even his O contact rate isn't bad. Like, so, I mean, even if he chased a few more uh, balls and, and made contact, uh, I think things would be fine for him. Like I don't understand where the projection systems drop him in average so much. I, I, I don't either. Um, I don't understand. I, I really in don't what, see that. In what spot that he was super? I mean, they've obviously already, other than ATC, they've all regressed his BABIP, uh, which I think is a mistake. I agree. I the way he hits the ball, I I don't understand it with Muncie. It's weird and. Not only that, but roster resource has him as a platoon, and I know they've got a lot of guys in, on the Dodgers, and and they're open to stuff like that. But he hit two fifty five, three sixty one, five twenty nine against lefties. Is he automatically somebody who you need to p- protect against lefties? I I don't really think that that's the case. Now he could he could fall this year and really fall apart because it's a small sample. When you're talking about lefty lefty, it's uh, one hundred nineteen plate appearances. So I acknowledge that that's not necessarily his true skill. He doesn't fully own that but as but i think you have to give him a chance there i don't think that you automatically say you well you're not playing against lefties yeah i mean maybe his batting average regresses a little bit but i mean he crushed the ball last year and he is super patient and wow i can't remember the last time i seen a barrel percentage this high dude muncie was do you know what his barrel percentage is no, I think, but yes. I, I know it was obscenely high, like the 18%. League a, the league oh, yeah, average, yeah, give me league, league average, average is 11.9%. Okay, 24%. No, not close, but 16.9%, okay. which is in the top 1% of the league. Oh, so my first guess was better, 18%. Yes. I, I, once, once you said the average, I, I just blew it out of the water. I was better off not knowing the average there. Uh, 16% is Oh, absurd. wait, shoot. The average is 6.1%. My bad. <laughs> that was, makes it even more I was looking at his career numbers, which is about 12%. Okay, so he's 10 percentage points above the career average, which is obscene. Yeah, I mean, it's This just... is Max Muncy we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Off of his breakout season, going to be age 28, going to have uh, multi-eligibility... Yes, well, first and third. So we have talked about him a little bit. I can't remember what we said about him at third base, to be quite honest. But maybe it was when I you were down on him, and now it's stuff. first base. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> now I'm like looking into stuff. And and he was solid all year round. Um, actually, he sputtered a little bit in 32 plate appearances for April. He didn't really get going until May, but then he was good the entire rest of the year. It wasn't one of those condensed periods of of success that really worry people sometimes. He had an over 40 percent hard contact rate every month of the year. Jeez. And if you are in a 10 game or or less uh, or 10 game or more eligibility, he's got second base. Mm-hmm. He's like a Travis Shaw type where you're well, getting that scene power where he's at second. Gonna, where's he going to be starting this year? He's second, right? So No, he's going to play first. Oh, he's going to play first. With That's Bellinger right. out in the outfield. Um, and then Taylor at second and Seager at short. Oh, with, who knows? That could switch around. He's, you know, and he could end up. I know he's not a very well, good second. Or defender he, at second he base. He can get so. some days there. Bellinger at first, mm-hmm. Taylor at short, get Seeger off of his feet, put Muncie at second. Like Especially they, they finagle. Yeah, if any sort of issues with Seeger pop up from you know the surgery or you know his back being bulky or 
Justin Turner could get hurt again. You could see you could see him back. I mean, we could see him all over the place and, and get multi positional eligibility or added multi positional eligibility. So did he did he play the outfield last year too? I feel like he did. I think he did. Let me look here. He played six games in left field. So yeah. I think the heart. This is just like Aguilar, and I think I think you kind of alluded that it might be. Uh, this is a guy that we just hadn't seen before, popped up out of nowhere, in in his mid to late twenties, and now it's hard to believe because we just assume he's going to regress. But just like JD Martinez, uh, skills are skills. What did Ron Chandler always say? Once you show a skill, you own it. Once you display it, you own it. Exactly. So uh, I use that hashtag on Ellen. Uh, <laughs> I saw. I, I liked that. That was great. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'm I'm buying in on this one too. Yeah, Muncie. Uh, this is the tier that I really love at first base. Uh, Agar, Brayu, Gallo, Olson, Muncie. Uh, not so much Gallo, but he's in it. But uh, the, the rest, I'm really in on. Particularly if I don't get one of those those top guys. But even if I do, I'm really open to taking them. Either you know, put Muncie at at third, or if I get one of the others, put them at my corner. I don't mind locking up corner early if I'm doing it with a stud. Uh, the last guy here that that is in this group by ADP, it's it's Jerkson Profar, who we have talked about a bit already. So I just want to ask you point blank, who what position do you prefer him at? He qualifies at short, third, and first. Obviously, he's not a prototypical first baseman, but what are you doing with Profar coming off the heels of that uh, that that final break that breakout that we were finally waiting for that he had? Where would you like to put him primarily? Obviously, you're going to bounce him around. That's the beauty of having him. First or third. I mean, it's not going to be shortstop. Shortstop's so deep, and I like all the guys that are going so so late. Uh, So probably first or third, or and like like you said, he's just one of those guys that I like because uh, in in these days in which or this season in which season starting earlier, a lot more off days, uh, he's going to fill in in daily leagues for me. Uh, when guys have off days or travel days, so yeah, uh, that's it. Doesn't really matter where you want to play these guys. Like, just get guys with position eligibility because it's gonna, especially in your daily formats, because it's gonna be super beneficial for you uh, in season. Yeah, you're gonna push them around anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the the next group here. I call it the flawed starters. Uh, it has Edwin Encarnacion, Ian Desmond, Miguel Cabrera, my boy Eric Hosmer, nobody's boy. And Yuli Gurriel, who we already discussed at third base, so we're not really going to get too deep uh, on him. He's kind of that late batting average, decent guy. You really would rather have him at corner. But let's start with E5. And, you know, I was a little bit surprised to see, like just now when we were talking about him and I went to his page, I was a little bit surprised to see his numbers because I think the perception is that he completely fell off last year. And that's not well, he really did in the happened. first month. <laughs> Well, but he always seems to have a bunk month, and it's usually early too. And like that, that's that's an Encarnacion staple. But he still went thirty-two, one hundred seven, and he did that missing twenty games compared to twenty seventeen. So yeah, the batting average went down to two fifty, two forty-six, and it's slowly been trickling down two seventy-seven, two sixty-three, two fifty-eight, two forty-six. But you still got your thirty and a hundred, despite having to give back the time to injuries. So. I'm wondering what's all the fuss about, you know, him completely falling off. If you think he can get healthy again this year, and I know that that's a concern too because he's older, and and we automatically assume and Jay that Bruce that, is going to DH, so he's going to play more first. Oh, that's interesting. I think Bruce should play first. 
Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they just have Bruce play it? He's the younger, he, more spry guy. More spry. It's so, so spry. The, the adjective you only use for super old people. Um, I mean, I would assume because Jay Bruce's injury history has been like really here? bad the okay. last few years. So I would assume that he would get more time at DH. Uh, they'll probably, I mean, they could split it 50 50 and just give, you know, sure. you're both halftime players in, in terms of the field. Uh, I I think this I think he's going to be fine. I think he should have no problem repeating the numbers that we've seen from him over the course of the last five years, which is Edwin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, low to high thirty home runs and a two sixty average and uh, lots of runs driven in, and you know he he's just consistent. And the park context doesn't really change as much as you might think going from uh, from progressive to Safeco because they're actually quite similar for righties. Now, if he were a lefty, it'd be a it'd be a bigger difference because progressive is quite friendly to lefties, and then uh, uh, Safeco is more neutral to hurting them. But for for the right-handers, it's pretty neutral uh, at both parks, so that shouldn't be a major deal. Do, do we still get uh, 100 again? Do we get our Fourth straight or fifth straight 100 RBI season and uh, seventh out of eight. He had a 98 RBI season. I, when I he think only so. Played. 128. Uh, one, I don't think he's going to be on this team super uh, long. Anyway, do you think he? Do you think he starts the season on this team? I do not. So I, you think he gets traded at, at some point here in the next little bit? Yeah, I think he gets traded before March 5th. That's my over under date. Okay. I don't know why I chose that, but I like it. I like I it. Just That's randomly, the... I was gonna say March first, and I went. Eh, I'm gonna give myself an extra. No, five no, no. Days. I'm, yeah, I'm, buy, I'm buying that extra yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna um, buy the points against the spread. So now, uh, I, yeah, I think he gets. Why would Seattle want to hold on to him? It just. Like, oh no, I agree. I it, agree. It doesn't like... make sense. Like I think they're gonna wait. I think I think Seattle and I think another uh, uh, a number of other teams are just waiting for these free agents to get off the market so they can start moving other pieces. Yep, yep. I think that's uh, that's completely fair here. Oh, man, that's interesting, though. I wonder if he could get moved to a great park and just explode again and get back to, like, old Edwin for one last The question hurrah. is, like, where is he going? Like, who yes. needs a DH only? And that that's, was the question. That is the hard part. Uh, Chicago doesn't. Baltimore is not going to trade for a piece worth or getting paid more than league minimum. <laughs> they have Chris uh, Davis. Detroit's not going to do it. Houston, Cleveland already traded him away. <laughs> uh, yeah, Houston would make sense. Well, here we go. You know what's going to happen? DH to the NL. Trade market opens up, baby. Let's go. That would be huge for him. I mean, it's it, like I'm joking, but it seriously would open up his trademark. And I just oh, yeah. we talked about it earlier that we don't really think that that's going to get put in for this year. But if it did, that would open up things for Edwin. The, Here's the a problem question. is like all the teams that could use him are in his division. Right. Exactly. And it's like, OK, well, not, not that DePoto has any problem trading to anybody. Oh, he'll absolutely do it. But they, they still have Pujols' carcass and they have to figure out something to do with that. Let me ask you this. What's your overall strategy with first base? And, and is it such a thing where you would – and the reason I ask specifically here is would you allow Edwin to be your, your starting first baseman? Sure. Okay, so you 
you're not necessarily attacking the first few tiers if things just play out where you need to get your starter. I, I think it's similar to shortstop. It's I would love a stud if I am in a, a good position uh, in you know wherever I end up in a draft to grab a stud. Awesome. If I miss out on those first two tiers, uh, and I'm probably going to move Aguilar into that second tier, uh, I'm probably just going to wait for the E5s or uh, you know maybe some of the cheaper options uh, down the road and and just you know hope for the best. But I, I you know I don't want to play too much in you know with the guys after E5 in this tier. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> The, the guys coming up, there are a couple I like, and including including my boy Miguel Cabrera, but that's got to be a corner for me. If it did come into a situation where I'm getting a stud at shortstop and I'm getting my ace over here and then I just have this outfielder that I, I have to get because he fell, and so I'm missing out on the Goldie Freeman and then the, the, the four that we talked about after that and then the Aguilar, Abreu, Olsen, Muncy quartet that we really liked. And it just works out to where I'm like, dang, I still don't have a first baseman. And I got, quote unquote, stuck with Edwin. It wouldn't be the end of the world because I would probably double up and go for Miggy like right after. And then I just go with them, you know, and and hope that I get one healthy oldie and, and get my uh, get my studliness there. But let's move to the guy squinched in between them, Ian Desmond, who, you know, had a weird ass season because it was super fantasy relevant because he went twenty twenty <laughs> despite a two thirty six average and just a weird I, ass. I profile. love Ian Desmond. I really I do did. too. <laughs> and he frustrates me because like I it just I've been a fan literally since uh since he was on the Nats. Like the, his whole career I've just enjoyed and kept thinking that he could get better and get better. He did, loved it. Went to the Rangers, had that huge season. I was like, "Oh, we're gonna have a good, we're gonna have a good decline phase for him too. Like his thirties are gonna be really nice." <laughs> and then he goes to Colorado. I'm like, "Dude, they're gonna be even nicer. This is amazing." Okay, he sucks yeah. now. Wait, what? I'm it's getting two eighty five in Desmond Texas, blows. and then yeah, yeah, he goes twenty 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 in in Texas with a two eighty five four forty six, goes to Colorado and gets substantially worse. Now, he had injuries the first year. Okay, you can write off some of that. And, and and most of the market did because they still paid the price for mm-hmm. Desmond last year because he's had seven homers and 15 steals in his 95 games. And then he but got then last super year, unlucky in Babbitt last year. Is it going to be enough to rebound him? I mean, you know, the 279, when you have a 62% ground ball rate, is almost a feat at the, like it's almost a feat mm-hmm. to be celebrated. How did you not get more hits to go through? Like and that's he's a insane. career three twenty two Babbitt, uh, and playing Colorado obviously you know helps that out as well. So you have to think that rebounds, and he's hitting at worst two fifty to sixty okay. next year. And so you're talking about a guy who can potentially go twenty twenty to sixty. 2020, 80-80, that would still be pretty hot. Yeah. And, and, now, see and, someone you're you're going to buy, pick 147 now. The price is still pretty I feel meaningful. like you're like, either it's not in cheap. or out on Desmond every year. Like, it, in, I, like I'm fully always... Fully in or fully out, you mean? Yeah, like you're just going to get all the shares or you're just going to get none. Yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I have felt more uh, tepid about him this year. 
there's no reason why. I, I don't understand it. It's it's another one of these. I just have weird emotions around first base, apparently. Like clearly, this just, like well, this, this is, one makes a little bit more sense though. That was just such a difficult. The problem with Desmond is there's like just such downside with him. Like, and we've yes. seen it. Just like, and, and there a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like. What he had like one year where he was just amazingly off the charts, and then next year just completely disappointed. Every oh, 2010 to 2011, you're like, oh man, this guy's really coming into his own, and then then all of a sudden nothing, and then it's just I don't know. And then the 16 to 17, the Texas mm-hmm. season to the first Colorado season. So I'm sure I will end up with shares of Ian Desmond. I just feel a little bit more dirty about it than I have in years past. I think that's all completely fair, and I have a hard time quitting him. And of course, the you know, the ABCs of fantasy always trust, uh, always bet on Coors uh, is there as well. And they're gonna they're gonna find time for him because they gave him that big contract, so he'll move around. Maybe that's could part even of add it. A like him getting moved into the outfield again just like screws with like prospect values and stuff that's I, the thing too that's like, what's so like annoying. i blame him like like he yes. has any control over that it's like, his fault that rymel tapia is not going to get a chance and then it's daniel I, I like murphy's we fault. still have him listed as a shortstop on on fan graphs we should we should change that we're living in the we're living in the glory days of ian desmond uh you know i don't want trevor story to get hurt because he's awesome but what if he and Desmond got shortstop again? How fun would that be? It would be actually. Super we fun. don't need it. Will it this never year. happen. But we don't need. We yeah, don't need the, it yeah, this the, year. Though, he too. would be like the 18th ranked shortstop. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a little bit of a waste. You're right. You're right. All right. Enough Paul, Desmond. De, Paul DeYoung. Uh, that, who is not even Carlos Correa can can yeah, sniff the jockstrap of Paul I'd DeYoung. Have, I'd have Desmond over Correa. <laughs> okay. Now you're just really starting to rile people up. That's at Justin Mason FWFB on Twitter. Have fun. Let's move on to Miguel Cabrera, another 36-year-old. I believe Edwin was 36, right? Yeah, but they're pretty close to the same age. Um, who you know only played 38 games last year before ripping the bicep. He was great when he played. 299, 395, 448. Only three homers, so the power was a little light for sure. But the batting average was fantastic. He was smacking the ball all around. There were, you know, you look at the the underlying numbers and you feel like he probably should have had more homers than he did. But then I would counter that by saying it was only a 20% fly ball rate. So everyone keeps talking about the hard hit rate for Miggy. If it's just hard on the ground, you can't get a homer no matter how hard you hit it. So I don't really, I, I do push back on that, saying that he should have automatically had more homers. But I do think that uh, he can still be a, a low to mid-20s homer guy with good batting average. His plate skills are still excellent. We know we know we have to assume health if we're going to gain anything. Okay, that's that's the first thing that we're talking about with Cabrera. That obviously, if he's not healthy, he won't be good. So let's assume a modicum of health, meaning 140 games. If I give you 140 games and I say that that's locked in, you could get more, but you can't get less. How would you how would you uh, approach Miguel Cabrera? If you're saying 140 games of health. Hmm. I'm going to say that he puts up 22 home runs and a 290 average. I would take that all day. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, you want to see why he was struggling last year. Go look at his stat cast page, which is really fun to look, look at anyways, because I think, Maybe people forget how amazing he was. 
Yes. And like you know how like they shade it like different red, you know, each stat like his is bloody. It's like it's like ten years of just like straight lit up red on, on his stat cast <laughs> page. So like or on his baseball savant page. So uh the problem last year, launch angle went down by about five degrees, which is huge. Substantial. Uh yeah. in spite of the exit velocity going up huge, barrel percentage went down huge. So he was he was hitting the ball into the ground and he wasn't squaring anything up. And if we want to say if we can say that that is health related and he's going to come into the season healthy and if we're guaranteeing 140 games in the in this dream scenario, yeah, just then a theoretical. I'm going to say that he returns his launch angle to the 12% or you know 12% it's uh, usually been. He's gained exit velocity. You know what? I say he hits 27 home runs. With a 290 yeah, average. I've seen no real degradation in his plate skills. And, you know, he still had a 14% homer to fly ball rate, which is not elite. It's not where he was in his peak, but it's been where he where he's lived kind of since 2014, save a 22% spike in 16, which is when he hit 38 homers for Miguel Cabrera. But that, that 14% rate kind of puts you in that 25 homer range with a decent fly ball rate. Well, that was the problem last year with the launch angle stuff you're talking about. So if he gets his fly ball rate back into the low to mid-30s, gets a modicum of health, I don't know why you wouldn't want him. I, again, the, the big if is the health, and I understand that. But we talk about how that comes with the price. If we knew Miguel Cabrera would be healthy, well, you sure shit aren't getting him at 172. So you can't double count it. And I'm, I, I've been stressing this point now a few different times. I apologize for those of you who listen to every episode. You hear me repeat it, but... Don't double count it. Don't say, well, you know, he's a big injury risk. Yes, that's why I will give him to you at pick 172 as opposed to 72, which is like where he was going last year. So take 100 points, 100 picks off, and and you can still get Miggy. I hope ageism plays a role here. Now, this is definitely one of our guys that we've been talking about that if he Michael Franco's the offseason, he will skyrocket mm-hmm. even with his yeah, age. I don't know that he will. I think he would. People, if they get a glimpse to see what Miggy is like, and and he gets back yeah, to being Miggy, I, I I disagree. I think people, I think one, it has been two full seasons since Miggy was Miggy, and sure. a lot of people will point, it will say it's really been three seasons over the course of the last four years. Well, they'd be wrong because in 2015 I'm, he I still hit 18 with a 338. He missed but he time. Only hit 18. But and he played 119 games. Okay, but that people are gonna. I'm not saying it's the right answer. I'm saying it's the answer people will give. People are stupid idiots. Uh, They're the ones listening yeah. to the show, right? Damn, we already covered that. <laughs> I love how I we're everyone. insulting everybody. We already won the award. <laughs> they can't take it back. That'd be nice. I'll just Star make sure award. not to submit this episode for for the award yeah. next year. <laughs> um. Listen, and let me uh, on the table. Of course, y'all know I'm a old. Tigers fan. I'm he's I'm gonna be taking old. the uh, the rose colored approach here. But he's I don't think older I'm... than me. Like literally older. <laughs> Damn, than he's me. basically dead. Right. Uh, well, so is Edwin, and you like Edwin. But now... but Ed, if Edwin hit eight home runs in uh in spring training, no one's drafting him a hundred picks higher. They're just gonna put funny. No, like, I'm not saying hundred. Funny picks. animations of birds on his shoulder. Like that's true, like, which I always love. Yeah. I'm not saying a hundred picks. Okay, but. 
if he goes out and pops uh, a Mike Calfranco, which would, that's the eight homers, that's where, what Justin was referencing there. He, he still Mike won't go over Ian Desmond. Spring bullshit. He won't. Ian Desmond steals bases. People are he will one hundred percent. He'll People, go over Edwin. He will go in the uh, Gallo Muncy area because no one will believe it. Spring. Oh, you're crazy. No one will believe it because last yes, year he was will. in the best shape of his life and he was healthy but coming he into the season. It's one of the best players of our generation. I know. Insane. I'm saying I, I'm. I have no problem doing it. I'm saying this is what the perception will be of him. People are. Sh- people have short memories. People have been burnt by Miggy too much in the last few years. If he, if he, uh, if he goes off in spring training, he'll go up to like 150, 145, no and that's it. No way. No way. His min is 135. If he goes off in spring, he'll go to his Well, min. there's a Tiger fan in every draft. The except Tiger for, fan, the draft for, I'm looking at, you know how it labels a draft that you mm-hmm. were in in NFBC? A Tiger fan took him, and he got him at 182. He got him below. Yeah, it was the, Dick Temkin. The draft, I, the draft is popping up for the, me. The guy took him at 157. Tweet us, at Spore, at Justin Mason, FWFE. Let us know what you think. If Miggy has a great spring, doesn't have to be the eight-homer thing, but just a strong spring, he's clubbing, you know, Five plus homers, looking good, looking looking spry. The old the old man term. Where does his ADP go? He's at one seventy two right now. I say it goes at least into the uh, one twenty five to one thirty range. Justin thinks it you barely get goes. Twenty up. spots. That's that's it. You're insane. All right, you insane human being. Let's talk about Eric Hosmer, the best player. Do we in have baseball. to? Yeah, we have to. Unfortunately, because you know what? The one thing that you can always say positively about Eric Hosmer is you're going to get volume. And you can feel good. And, I mean, that. of course, we've talked about this with regards to pitchers in the past. I remember Dan Heron was one. I used to talk about this with Eno. We'd, we'd say, you know, they're, they're, they're the reliable guy until they're not. So th- there will be a cutoff. You know, at some point he won't be playing 155 games every single year. But right now that's the one bankable thing that you feel like you can do with Eric Hosmer. But I don't even know if you want it. 1869. You would think that'd be a nice ribby total, but it's not very nice when you're putting up 677 plate appearances, seven steals, 253 average. The average falling off is what's really painful about Hosmer. I'll never draft him, so I don't really care. I'm actually going to get up and walk away. I don't have to get anything. I just don't want to hear you talk about him, so I'm just going to walk <laughs> away from my computer. But when, yeah, I'm not going to talk think, about him for too long. But what do you know? But uh, what do you think about Eric Cosmer though? Can he bounce back from to his career levels from what he did last year, or is he at a new level? I mean, I guess he can. I, I don't see any reason why he can't bounce back to being a twenty homer guy with like a two seventy average. But like, right. how mm-hmm. exciting! Maybe this is like one of those situations in which the Eric Cosmer hate goes too far because like he is an accumulator. Like and that has some mm-hmm. value, especially considering where you're getting him. I he's just chip in speed. He's yeah. consistently done the chip in speed thing. Uh, and you know it's stats, and you're just getting stats, and that's what's important. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's I, I like a guy to have some sort of elite skill at first base. You know, whether it be a generally guy's, power. Yeah, generally power, or you know, and you know, next guy Guriel's like at least he's going to give you some really good batting average and stuff uh, to offset. You know, maybe some other deficiencies on your team. Eric Hosmer is just super boring, and he plays in San Diego, who should be better this year, but they're not going to be good by any stretch of the imagination, more than likely. 
so you can't imagine the run in RBI totals like going through the roof or getting even back to where it was before. So, um, one interesting aspect about Hosmer, and you can't really bank on this. It's what uh, what Jason calls Saberhagen metrics, the every other year <laughs> syndrome. Uh, go look at Brett Saberhagen's career. He had a lot of like every Alex other year Rios. stuff. Oh God, Alex Rios. He, and I was I was always on the off year. Always mm-hmm. on the off year yeah, with that. Yeah, no, because you always paid but, the but price just, for the. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I paid it, the premium, thinking it would stick, and then I get I get pwned. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, all right, so it's an on-off batting average thing: two ninety-three, two thirty-three, or two thirty-two, three hundred two, two seventy, two ninety-seven, two sixty-six, three eighteen. Last year's two fifty-three. So it lines up with a increased and then decreased BABIP. Exactly. So, is that just plain luck? Does he address – like it's weird that it's that consistent though, it, that the Babbitt yeah. would be perfectly volatile year to year like that. I mean I guess that speaks to the volatility of Babbitt though. You're right. So I don't know. Does he this get more lucky this I year? why I like to punt batting average. And so you can spike these uh, – Yeah, because you can spike these things every once in a while with certain guys. Like Mike Moustakis is another one. Like you'll look at his page and t- and give me some idea of what you think he's going to hit it batting average-wise. Todd Frazier used to be the, the poster yep. boy for this. Uh, uh, this is why I love to punt batting average in batting average leagues. Uh, that being said, I, I do it with guys that I like the counting stats. Uh, yeah. And I don't like Hosmer's counting stats, so he's just not a guy that's going to end up on my team. Yep. I mean, it's just I'm, – I'm all good. I'm all good on Hosmer. You guys can have him. Uh, then – is Yuli Gurriel, as we mentioned, we talked about him at third base. You can get a little bit more yeah. detail there if you're interested. It's there. it's late batting average. Um, it's a good corner infielder, I think, on a quality team. He is a little bit older at age 35. And I know people are going to say, well, he's 35. He could get moved out of the lineup. He'd have to really fall apart. And there's nothing to suggest that he'll fall apart because I've kind of heard this narrative a little bit on Twitter and, and some other shows of just using his age against him. Like, I get it to a degree that, like, once you hit mid-30s, you can fall off for no reason. An, an injury can be severe enough, and, and there is no decline. But going off of what we, go, what we have, which is not any sort of major health issues, and the skills that we've seen out of Gurriel, you got to ink him in for 550 plate appearances and a quality batting average and just go from there. And that's pretty good at your corner, particularly. Now, would you pair him up with somebody like Gallo? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I would want more batting average somewhere else. Uh, elsewhere, yeah. That, 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 he, that doesn't completely offset yeah, it. You need yeah, more. He, his average isn't strong enough uh, to completely offset Gallo's awful average. But, like, you know, if you did, like, a, a triple pairing of uh, David Peralta and yes. Gurriel Gallo, and Gurriel. Gallo, then I think you – and, you know, especially if you start off, like – if your first pick was Trey Turner, so you know you got the speed locked up. Yeah. Well, then you go take those three guys together, and you've gotten, you know, three players who are all really, you know, really, really good uh, and kind of offset each other's weaknesses. The pieces fit together. Yeah, I agree I agree with that. That's that's an interesting setup there. Daniel Murphy, somebody else that you can get, particularly oh, going out guy. to Colorado. Yeah, I, love, I love Murphy this year. But, uh, yeah, so Gurriel – He's fine. He's not bad. He's actually kind of a uh, maybe a, a, a Murphy backup. If you really wanted Daniel Murphy and you didn't get him, get Gurriel a few uh, you know, rounds later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's and a great get, CI. Just, he yeah. really is. Really is. A really strong CI there. So what, putting him at first or third doesn't really matter because you really should have him at CI. Uh, AL only, you can bounce him between first and third, but I'd, I'd probably want him at 
third, I think, between the two. But anyway, let's move on to this last group here in the top 25. Um, it's some starters, mostly CIs. It's Carlos Santana, Jose Martinez, Trey Mancini, Marwin Gonzalez, who still needs a team, just Jake Bowers, CJ Brown. Carlos Santana comes back to the AL where he can actually DH a bit. Uh, do you do you use that as a reason for to project a bounce back? And the bounce back would be to get his batting average back up in the let's say two forty five plus range. So it's still not even a bounce back to something great. But he went two fifty nine for two straight years and then two twenty nine last year. Everything else was pretty much in line for uh, Carlos Santana. And I don't even know that it was playing the field that hurt that. That's just the narrative, which you've already said you hate narratives. So I'm just curious how you feel about Santana back in the AL at age 33 with that batting average hanging overhead. I feel pretty good about him. I think I think he got unlucky, like you said, uh, I think you said, in, uh, on balls in play. Uh, 231 Babbitt. Gross. Yeah, like, and that's, that's crazy low. I mean, do I think he's going to get back to hitting – 260 or 270 no I, I think he's probably hitting 250 uh he still walks a, a ton so he gets at that boost in, in on base percentage leagues yes uh cleveland like you said is you know plays up a little bit for for lefties and you know he can uh he switch hits so that may be a little bit helpful to him i think he is like a really unsexy uh but steady contributor that is, again, a perfect guy for your CI position. Yep, I, I 100% agree with that on Carlos Santana. So treat him as such the number one beneficiary <laughs> if they somehow finagle the DH in for 2019 is Kyle Jose Schwarber, Martinez. Though. Well, that that's not, don't ruin my article, bro. <laughs> okay? Stop it. But, yeah, obviously both of them would be primary primary beneficiaries. At least they're going to play Schwarber, though. I'm going I'm to write an article, if we played baseball on the moon, oh my God. and it's going to have the same relevance as your DH in the NL article. Listen here, I MF. not graphs. <laughs> it is February 7th, and I'm doing this with you, and I don't have time to come up with some great concept that's going to require a ton of research so I'm doing this fun yeah, piece, I'm just start and it the could happen right, right up next week. <laughs> it could happen because they're actually talking about it because they're insane people, and that would give Jose Martinez an actual role, and he wouldn't have to be traded. Let's assume they don't, because that's how we're operating, and we don't really think they're going to finagle this into the league that quickly. And so, up under that rule, where they don't do it, Jose Martinez kind of looks like somebody who is a little bit Yuli Gurrielian with maybe even a little bit more pop because Gurriel kind of lives in the low double-digit homers, and we saw 17 out of Jose Martinez last year. So how do you feel about Jose Martinez? And, and if you do like Gurriel, shouldn't you just wait and take Martinez picks later? The problem with Martinez is he, when does he play? It's I think that the Cardinals— Every day. Because he's a pinch hitter. Ha <laughs> got him. Get exactly. it? Exactly. Okay, I'm just going to leave. Uh, Stupid joke. His defense is just so bad. It's just yeah. that's the hard really part. Because uh, I think there is a ton more power in that bat. Uh, so gold, the Goldie move might have screwed him over more than Carpenter. You talk about Carpenter not you know, having to play mm -hmm. third now or maybe second. That hurts, but it's not going to cut into his well, playing his, time. His defense was bad at first base. He was losing time there last year, too. So it, Yeah, so... Honestly, if I was betting on trades, 
at the beginning of the offseason, I would have bet a million percent that they were going to. We were all talking about it, right? It was the obvious call. But remember, but they, remember what I said. Like, they, they, they weren't necessarily going to trade him because he offered that. You're right. And I stole that line. I saw that line from Matt Thompson. So, like, it wasn't wasn't much. Who's a, <laughs> a resident Cardinal guy, by the way. Yeah, like, he, he he's knows what he's super locked in on the cards. So, uh, it's just. It's it's unfortunate for him. Like like you said, no one needs to DH more than Jose Martinez because if he was DHing, he'd be playing every day. Uh, so we know one team. You said no, the NL owners won't vote for it. We know one team that will. Yeah, and I, the I St. Mean, Louis owners. Well, they yeah, should vote for it. They should vote yes for they it. They should vote for. I mean, a lot of a lot of the NL teams should. They all should. I, they I, should at have at least half DH. of the NL teams has a person. Who may not need it to the extent that he does, but they I'm all have write an somebody. Article about that. Yeah, I'm gonna write that, an article. That'd be a really interesting article to write. I agree. I agree. I think it'll be a fun piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they don't put the DH in. What is your projection for Martinez as he fights for every scrap of playing time? Obviously, he's gonna get those pinch hit appearances, but there's a pinch hit penalty. You take like 10 percent off of your your expectations because pinch hitting is difficult so that even getting those at bats um you know is not great because it's a it's I a single ATC, at bat here I think and there. the ATC nails it okay let's see what they've got ATC which is Ariel Cohen has 294 1357 so then he's basically a hundred percent Guriel not not a better Guriel he's exactly Guriel with fewer plate appearances but the counting stats are just about the same and, and I, I, mean, I think he could there. hit for a bit more power than 13, but I think that is about as close as, you, as you're going to get in terms of uh, a spot-on uh, projection for him. It just it, it's unfortunate that they're they at least they haven't gotten to the point where they're willing to just eat Dexter Fowler's uh, contract because he's blocking not only him but Tyler O'Neill, who should be out there every day playing. Oh, I, I really like Tyler O'Neill, and um, he obviously has work to do with his strikeout rate. But, uh, but he's I a really, really good defender too. So like, he, he's like the opposite of, of Jose Martinez in terms of you know what he could offer the team. Uh, but between like those two should be the ones who are competing for a spot, and Dexter Fowler should be you know helping out the organization by not playing. He wins like a teammate of the year, yeah. and they're like, "Well, what did he do?" Well, he decided to not play. Yeah, instead of instead really of helped. just hiring hiring the manager they did, they should have just made Fowler like player manager. <laughs> Listen, you get to play one We're day so a week. Bad. You get to play on Sundays, but six days a week you're gonna be you're gonna be managing. <laughs> it's a really nice transition. And then we oh, don't that's... have to spend any extra money on a new manager. We've already eating this money, so you know. <laughs> Mike Schultz, like, wait, what? What? What is this now? Yeah, sorry, Mike. We had we're, we're already paying Fowler so much. We gotta get something out of him. All right, so that's Jose Martinez. It's it's a it's a grim outlook playing time wise. But one thing we should always keep in mind: injuries happen, things happen. Doesn't always stay the way it is. And even though his defense sucks, if if an injury did open up things, you know they'd get that bat in the lineup and just eat the crap defense. And he could still get traded too, right? With that, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. So I think all the playing time concerns for Jose Martinez are built into the 223 ADP as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, let's talk about Trey Mancini, who 
he hit that sophomore slump. You know, he actually matched his home run total from with 24, but he shaved off 20 ribbies. That part of that's team context, but the triple slash is what really took the punishment. So his rookie year was 293, 338, 488, really nice, but then it went down to 242, 299, yikes, 416. And I th- I just think it was he he just wasn't as good as that rookie season, and he might have regressed more than you should have expected. But I don't know that it was that surprising. He had a 352 Babbitt. I don't know that there was any reason to believe that that was going to continue. He doesn't walk. He didn't walk in the rookie year. So the OBP being trash once the Babbitt comes to back to earth, you know, it went all the way to the other end, right? It went from 352 to 285. So put it in the middle at three, 300 or 310, you're still only getting like a 260 average, right? So I'm not that surprised that this happened to Mancini. What do you expect on a rebound? Smash the two together and, and call it a day? Yeah, I think I probably would. I, I Mancini has a ton of power in that bat. Unfortunately, he has a Yandy Diaz esque <laughs> uh, launch angle. Yes, fifty-five percent uh, ground ball rate. Yeah, I mean he's got a sub ten percent launch angle. Uh, so that actually bad. went down from, you know, it was like 7% in 2017 and then 5% last year. So, or, uh, 5.5% last year. So, uh, maybe a new regime comes in and goes, hey, listen, we're going to work on lifting the ball with you because he hits the ball hard. Uh, you know, 41.7% hard contact rate uh, or uh, over the course of his career. Uh, pretty much in line with last season. So, I think he may just be a few tweaks away from unlocking a little bit more of that power. Uh, he doesn't strike out a ton for, you know, a, a guy who could be a power bat. Yeah. I mean, like 24% in this day, just the era that we're in is, yeah. is fine. Um, he doesn't walk a ton for Mancini, but you know, he's, he's not terrible. I, I do. I am going to take the cheap way out though. And just, and just smash the two together and, and go for 24, I just prefer uh, 65. Yeah. Exactly, and I actually prefer uh, not only Smoke, but a couple of the other guys coming yeah, up here. Yeah, like Powers up. for some weird reason. Uh, I, well, okay, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting hate here. I didn't, I, I didn't do anything wrong to you. Let's talk it's, about Marlon Gonzalez before we get to Smoke and Bowers first. He doesn't have a team. Marlon Gonzalez, like yeah, when he has a team or a position. He doesn't have a team. Uh, this is annoying. So I wanted to take Marlon Gonzalez everywhere because I'm obsessed with position eligibility. I practiced patience last year. I ended up not getting him, I don't think, anywhere. Maybe like one He was too expensive last year. It was exactly. ridiculous. It's too expensive. And I was like, you know what? You know he's going to regress. I don't know what he's going to regress to, but he's coming down. Don't get crazy. And I actually practiced some patience with it. I didn't just take a guy that I like. And it was looking awful for most of the year. He did rebound late, put up eight homers to really salvage his season in August um, after a zero in July, like, and it was six total through July. Marlon Gonzalez was looking awful, but he rallied, um, ended up with a 10 homer, 275, 352, 492 second half. Now we're going to have an age 30 utility man who doesn't have a team yet. I'm just wondering, like, what, what are the expectations? What do you really think Marwin can, and, and I know it's really tough because we don't know playing time. Let's assume he goes yeah. somewhere where we're going to get 500 plate appearances. Let's just put it at 500 and go from there. What do you think Marwin does? after seeing the breakout season and then the fallback, but the strong finish last year. Ooh, uh, 
it's so hard not knowing where he's going to land. I mean, and I think that I know you said, like, let's do it like, oh, you know, we know he's going to get 500 plate appearances. But where? Like, it's I, I don't know that he fits in anywhere strongly enough defensively to get a full lockdown full-time job somewhere. So I think he's going to be a guy who gets a pillow deal, does the Swiss army knife thing again, and has a real hard time getting to 500 plate appearances. Uh, so, I mean, like, let's say he does, like he, he could potentially do in between what he did in 2017, 2018. We're talking about a guy with 20 home runs and a 265 average. Okay. Which isn't bad, but like he he's a great guy for your bench because he's eligible everywhere. First, second, short outfield. The flexibility, and that's just in uh, the twenty threshold. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he gets anything else. If I don't he think he gets over the, else. I'm actually looking right now. He does not. So that it's just it's just those four. I mean, just it's those four, which is excellent for Marlon. And depending on where he land lands, he could add third base at some point. True, if he goes somewhere where they where they primarily need him at third, but we're having a hard time finding finding a landing spot like like every place could use him but no place is going to use him as a full-time player in one position because or his, wants to pay what he, he's likely asking i bet yeah i i, I bet imagine he's, he's yeah, asking I bet for he's a gonna get a pillow deal he's gonna get that you know 18 million dollars that sucks for I don't one know. year I, did he get offered a no he didn't then i don't think he'll get that much if it's a pillow deal which because he wants, I guarantee I mean, he Grandal wants. Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, Grandal's way better than Marwin Gonzalez in terms of real baseball. Being a catcher, I know, but this guy I can play both. like seven positions. I know, I know, but I think Grandal getting that. Grandal did have a qualifying offer though, mm-hmm. too, didn't he? So Marwin didn't. If he gets the one year, I think it's like a one fourteen or one fifteen type of deal, which would still be. You know, I mean, Jeez, no one's crying for anybody to make him a three year fifty million See, dollar that's... deal. I just don't understand why he would, especially without the qualifying offer, because you don't have to sacrifice the draft pick. And like so, like yes, like why not a qualifying off? Yeah, I just why not? Someone's gonna give him something, right? I just I don't know I where we're you know just maybe that's a... for these. Like, wouldn't he be great in Atlanta? Just play everywhere. Green. They want Camargo to be that guy, though. They have yeah, one. True. They think they have their own with Camargo, which I don't disagree with, particularly because Camargo probably makes five cents. You know, he he doesn't make anything. He's not he's not Tampa. getting any sort of Tampa Bay. They they got all that money from the TV deal. But they've already cluttered enough of playing time stuff. They've got pieces. What a, what about? He might have to go to a crummy team. He might have to just go play everywhere in Baltimore while they a, figure things out. But the crummy team's not going to give him a three-year, you know, forty, fifty million dollar a year deal. They they don't want to. They're not going to increase their payroll. He needs to. Yeah, we still see, see we still see teams sign some guys that the bad teams. I mean, I, I wouldn't. And the thing of it is, that way you don't have to think that you're blocking prospects with Marvin Gonzalez because every time, uh, every time he. Um, Every time he, every time a, excuse me, every time a prospect comes oh, up, oh, then you just move to a it. different position. I got it. No, There's me. one team that it's, you know, they're they're in a rebuild, but they're not going to necessarily be awful. Uh, but they could use him at, at a number of different spots. Your Detroit Tigers, bro. I'm, I swear to my life that I am on the roster resource Tigers page right now, and I was That's... just about. To bring it, he, he could up. play second. He can play short. He can play third. 
He can fill in all over. Uh, Why not? Yeah. Why not flip him a deal? Because three three years, forty-seven million dollars. Why not? Sure, and that's not egregious. Like no. you, you're talking about not adding payroll as a rebuilding team. That's fifteen and a half. Yeah. Like that's just not that big of a deal. And if he gets, if he somehow gets back to seventeen level, he can try to flip him. Mm-hmm. He can try to trade him because then a spot would also open up. Can, he can also fill in for those positions when they flip other guys. When they exactly. trade Castellanos, when they if if Mickey has to hit the DL again, if, uh, if Nico Goodrum Candelario. isn't playable, you know. Well, I mean, Candelario is going to be uh, going into, I think, his age 26 season. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily somebody that has to be kept around for the whole rebuild. Well, he's age 25. I, I think they should. I'm saying right now, this, this is where he ends up. Bro, I would love it. I do like Marwin. I would love to be able to cheer for him every day. Uh, there's, a bit, there's a few interesting pieces on, on that team. We, we talked about Candelario, Kristen Stewart, Casti, Cabrera. Um, I got I got to cling on to whatever I can because – Outside of uh, outside of a handful of guys, it's it's rough, and the prospects aren't going to start getting called up until later this year. Anyway, for the Tigers, so yeah, Marwin he needs a spot, and I think it's going to end up having to be one of the lower end teams, like like my beloved Tigers. So we'll stay tuned on Marwin Gonzalez. Let's talk Justin Smoke. Uh, you mentioned you'd rather have Justin Smoke over uh, who was it? Somebody we just talked about. Oh, Trey Mancini. Yeah, over Mancini. which I agree with, um, and over Marwin. I just. I think yes. Smoke has the opportunity to be. He uh, seems a bit underrated. I, I don't. Maybe why? Not. Why are people? I don't understand why people are hating on him as much as they are necessarily. It's it's not necessarily. He's not gonna like bust through, but I feel like he should be. We're a year removed from thirty-eight, ninety-two, seventy. Yeah, and I don't know that his skills have changed so much. Like his strikeout rate went up last year, but so did his walk rate. Um, you know, the batting actually went up, believe it or not, even though the batting average you know, came I, down. I, I believe the batting average should be like two forty-five, two fifty, but I also believe this guy's going to hit thirty-plus bombs. So, like, why is he going bo- that far behind E five? Like, is oh yeah, he- I totally agree. Like and I love E five, but like isn't yeah, you, like isn't he like talking about it. isn't he like destined to like be at worst E five light? It's a hundred picks cheaper than E five. How are you not just waiting for smoke? Yeah, I I think smoke is one of those guys that if you miss out on like all the first base runs because you're on the corner uh, and you go different directions and you're and you're like oh well I'll just wait for E five or I'll just wait for for this guy, and then all of a sudden someone else was doing the exact same thing and, and snags him, you should feel okay about getting Justin Smoke. It's, it's a really nice park. Uh, that offense is going to get better around him as the season goes on, as they start bringing up Vlad and, and Bichette and uh, you know, other pieces, uh, young pieces. I think Smoke is uh, a really nice kind of sleeper guy for uh, that people have just forgotten about. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree here. Looking at uh, looking at what he's done, I feel like he got a little unlucky with his with his output last year, his, his home run output specifically, dropping from thirty eight to twenty five. Yeah, I would have regressed the thirty eight for sure, but not by thirteen. I mm-hmm. think he's a thirty homer guy, uh, Justin Smoke. So definitely take a look at him. Let's move over to Jake Bowers, uh, absolute superstar, going to be probably first round talent next year. If I if had to he guess, didn't have that S on his name, I'd like him more. <laughs> You actually confused uh, Bowers and Bauer yesterday. I, I just a, couldn't assume. I, I just couldn't understand why 
you would trade Kluber for a package that revolves around Drake Bowers. I just assumed it was Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that that was a little bit light on on the returns there. But yeah. Let's talk about Jake Bowers. He comes over from Tampa Bay to Cleveland in that Yandy Diaz deal. Uh, I feel like it was like a day or two after they professed their love for him to Tampa Bay. We're like, no, that's our guy. We, we, we love him. Interesting year last year. He did have 11 homers and had six steals, but he hit 201, 316, 384. Has a great eye. Uh, out, struck out way too much in this in this debut, but that's never been part of his game. So I don't know if he sold out for the power or exactly what happened there because he really went away from his game to club those 11 homers. And it was kind of bizarre. The only thing that really stuck still was the uh, was the great batting eye with 14% uh, walk rate. He was 6 for uh, 12 on, on the bases, by the way. So he is chipping speed. He's 10, 20, and 10 in the minors the last three years. So he had a total of 16 in in, in last season if you add up AAA and the majors. But you got to be more selective there or else there's just no reason to run. You can't, you can't be at 50%. That's not going to cut it for Jake Bowers. The reason you're roasting me is I did include him. I did a piece on 10 hitters with first round upside. And what I was really looking for, it's after 150 ADP, I was looking for guys with skill sets that in the in the dream scenario, in the 90th percentile type of thing, who could break out and, and absolutely go off. And I landed on you Bowers. Should, but you should have called it like hitters with like top, like first round or sorry, you know, fifth round upside because none of these guys on this in this article are ever going to be first rounders. Wow, you're really going out on a limb to say that that's that they're not going to come through there. Wow, <laughs> I am so impressed. I, I love some of the guys on this list. You but don't think anybody outside of the 150 is going to become a first rounder? You got to get off that limb there. You're it's dangerous out there. Come well, on. Not, Clickbait. That is too Clickbait. dangerous. <laughs> that is too dangerous for you to be out on that on that uh, on that limb. There, really, really risky. The lowest guy to come into the first round uh, was a one twenty eight ADP, Acuna. and that was Acuna. So it doesn't happen very often. That's not really the point. What the is point the point, was, Paul? <laughs> you know the point because you read the piece. And you understand the point because I talked about it before I with you before I posted it, and it's to highlight impressive skill sets. And I gave you two guys that could actually do it, and you didn't you didn't write up either of them. Who? Uh, Losers, did you give? Oh, and Eli. Well, I didn't do top one hundred. Yeah, I didn't do top one. And Otani is not outside the top one hundred and fifty either. He's is he? Yeah, he is. Or at least he, he was he was when I looked. Maybe no, I didn't sort it stupid. by the right stuff. Yeah, maybe you're drunk and stupid. Let me see. One seventeen. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. What? One seventeen ADP. Otani gets drafted way too high. I felt it would have been too easy. Like, not too easy. There's there's a piece to do there saying guys pick between eighty and one twenty who could become first rounders. Yeah, but those are some of the guys that we already we're approaching them like that. We know they're like one skill away. This was to highlight some some far out guys clearly, and I don't believe Jake Bowers is going to become a first round talent. The idea was to point out that he has um, unique speed at first base. He did show some power last year that if he can match it with the minor league plate skills of a 17% strikeout rate and 11% walk rate, 
we could have a really, really interesting season. And the, the potential, I also came up with a potential dream season line for guys. And his was 282, 24 homers, 96 runs, 88 ribbies, and 22 steals. And then I came up with comps since 2016. And the reason I did it since 2016 is because those are pretty fresh in our memory. And so people could kind of mentally relate those. And that would look something like Elvis Andrus's 2017 or Andrew Benintendi's 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, here, here, here's the, is. You want you want another real dream comp for him? It's sure. Prime Hosmer. That's rude. <laughs> it's true though. He's a first baseman who can. You know that's me. But it's true. Like he, he's a first baseman who's not going to hit for a ton of power, but he's going to chip him some cheap speed. It's probably that's, accurate. It's prime Hosmer. It's probably it's probably except accurate. for he's like poor defensively. Like that's that's it's prime. It's prime Hosmer. Is he bad defensively? I'm I'm unaware yeah. of his defensive. Well, at least he wasn't. He wasn't the outfield. I I don't think I've seen him enough at first to to maybe pass saying, that I, judgment. He's pro- he's probably okay at first because it doesn't take much to be uh to be decent at first base. Sure. But the the prime Hosmer comp is isn't a terrible one because I, I understand how we get there uh, with what Jake Bowers has done. I think there's more speed though. Like we've seen Hosmer be double digits in the past, which I guess that makes it. It's like 2000. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. 2011 yeah. Hosmer. There you go. There, there's. I your... hate Jake Bowers now. Yeah, see, and that's I why. Like, I like. Why do you like Jake Bowers? Like, no, I. I the price know, is nothing. I, I'm sticking I mean, to my guns. At least Hosmer. Do like, like, Hosmer, like he yeah. he was going as like a top hundred player in those years. So like, and, and yeah. Bowers is going super cheap. So you're getting a guy that should return, you know, top hundred and fifty value outside of the top two hundred. So I have no yeah, problem I'll, with that. But the I'll idea that down. he's like a potential first rounder is insane. Again, I think you're really getting hung up on the clickbait title as if <laughs> I really have any of them becoming first-rounders. Even my favorite of the bunch, Ramon Laureano. Yeah, call, call it double – he, he'll be a single-digit rounder. There you go. Like that's, that's the dream scenario. That's one round. I think they would move up one round uh, for some of those guys because they're outside the top 150. I guess it would be multiple rounds for, for Bowers because yeah, yeah, he's, he's exactly. going much later. Okay. The point wasn't that they're actually going to become first rounders. Everyone needs to understand that. I do think that uh, I'm going to stick to my guns though a little bit here and and say that what I like here's what I like. I like the speed because I do think double digits steals are very very plausible. I like the pro- plate profile in the minors. The strikeout and walk rate were fantastic in the minors. And if he gets the strikeout rate back in check from what we saw in the majors last year, 27%, if he's more in line with his 17% major or minor league number, then I think we can get some good batting average too, like 275 plus. But while also not losing all of the power, if he can kind of meet those two in the middle there. So yeah, you're right. It is the best Hosmer seasons, but it's also pick two, 248. And so if I could tell, if I gave you, I mean, people are taking the shitty Hosmer at uh, at pick what 100, well not quite 100 anymore, but yeah, at pick 170. So I would at least waste Save the 50, 50 picks. picks. Yeah. Oh no, no, I agree with that. And potentially get the best Hosmer uh, at at age 23. But I'll so, take Justin yeah. Smoke. That's fine. You're getting a different profile though. 
Yes, this is true. You're you're not yeah, like the speed component is a big part of what I liked about Bowers, and that's why he made it into the list there. Um, of the of the people I put in that in, in that uh, piece there, Ramon Laureano, Rafael Devers, Austin Meadows, Garrett Hampson, Adam Eaton, JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., Tyler White, Jake Bowers, Senzel, and Tucker. Who's your favorite? Mm, I mean, it's got to be Hampson, but I want it to be Meadows. Like, I, li- I like Meadows a lot. I, I like, there are some guys I truly believe could become top three rounders next year. Like for year. me, Ham- Hampson is a guy. Like if he if he goes off and does like he's another guy. Like he could totally take off if they got the DH in the National League because he wouldn't be hit in front of the pitcher. Yes, and they could. Um, they wouldn't have to worry about like playing time wouldn't be mm-hmm. any concern at all because exactly. he just takes second and then a bunch of those other guys mess around with yeah, the first Murphy DH role or. or Desmond becomes uh, the 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 full time DH and Tapia gets some playing time, but uh, like he has the speed and the batting average upside to be like a second round, like to be D Gordon, like how D Gordon was a little bit uh, more punch than D Gordon though. I thought the comps worked really well for him. The comps for Hampson, uh, based on the dream season that I was I was working with here, were Whit Merrifield season last year. And uh, Starling Marte back in 2016. Yeah, Marte's, yeah, Marte's 2016 is, is the comp, I think. Uh, so I, I'm with you on that one. And then Austin Meadows, the only fear is Tampa Bay screwing with the playing time. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, th- and I his think comp Meadows is a, season was, just uh, a steal right now. One before I agree. His comp season was actually his new teammate, uh, Tommy Pham from 2017, when he went 306, 23 homers, 95 ribbies, or excuse me, 95 runs, 73 ribbies, and 25 steals. I think Meadows has great skills. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our last guy here in the top 25. CJ Crone had a great season with the aforementioned Rays, kind of out of nowhere. I, I, I blasted them when they when they got rid of Corey Dickerson. By the way. Someone followed up when I, because I was just like they they shouldn't have gotten rid of Dickerson, uh, and I didn't think Dickerson for Crone was was really a win. And somebody actually followed up at the end of the season trying to dunk on me for that, and they're like, ah, see it, you know, he had thirty homers, and I think they got a little hung up on the thirty homers because by war, Dickerson was still better. Well, because he won a Gold Glove. Def- I mean, he defensively yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So I was like are you really dunking here? Like, yeah, you got 27 more or 17 more homers or whatever. The problem but... is they should have kept Dickerson and figured out a way to get Crone because Minnesota was just given or whoever was, I can't remember where the <laughs> angels, the angels were where just they giving got away Crone. players. Like they, they were just giving yeah. him away. Like, like, and so like, why couldn't they have figured out a way to play both? Especially if Dickerson's defense was so improved. Exactly, and he would have still been next to a premier center fielder the way he was in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Dickerson would have been, but neither here well, nor there. I mean, now he they don't have for either. Like thirty games. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they don't have either. Um, they waived him. They, they, he became. He's this year's Dickerson for Crone. They, they non tendered him. They, um, so he got scooped <laughs> up off waivers by the Twins. Over five million dollars. That's just yeah. How much? The one thing I will say though is a 29-year-old first baseman who had the one blow-up year. Why don't you get something for him, though, right? I guess they tried. I mean, they that they'd tried to, and they couldn't, they couldn't do it. I, yeah, I think the, part of the problem is – Well, part of the problem is the, the free agency clog made it that teams don't want to trade for a guy like this because there's right. so much available on the market right now. Yeah, so, he's a backup plan, and the yeah. – ba- the, the, 
primary plans have not been plucked yet. Exactly. No, you're, you're exactly. If, if Tampa Bay had been willing to kind of wait it out for a while, they probably could have done this, but uh, or they probably could like have traded them though. In like a month, when you know, yeah, it's, it's they, like, they'd have to wait for that March, that imaginary March fifth deadline that I've set. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and they just weren't willing to do that, and I get that. At the same yep. time, I get it too. Like, don't be this cheap. It's five million, four point eight million dollars is what he agreed to to avoid arbitration. It's that is nothing. And, uh, you know, it was a spike season, but I think there were some things in Crone's profile. That made it so you could see improvements coming. He's Not necessarily shown this type of power. It's just a matter of staying on the field because season, he's so exactly. limited defensively that he can't. You know, he can't play. You know, well, obviously he can't play third anymore. But he, I mean, he, he struggles playing first. He you know offers a ton of negative value. But they could use him at DH. So I don't understand why. Why what well, the need was? To, yeah, that, I don't know. Well, let's talk about Crone in Minnesota then. But what because they right Garcia. now, like they're they're paying Garcia. I'll do the same thing. Yeah, like that's the point. I don't like that's the part I don't get. Like, okay, here's here's the case. They're, play, I will they're make playing Gar- they're playing Garcia three point five million. So they saved one point three million dollars. Okay, but they save one point three million, and they get somebody that they feel like they could actually put out in the field. But he was he was negative defensively last year too. I know, but he's not as he's not as much of a a rock. He had a uh, zero war in ninety three. A brick games. is what I mean. Okay, so he's average, right? That means that you're yeah, you're directly. Average. I'm not here trying to cape for Avisal Garcia. Okay, so you, he's you 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 lost two wins above replacement to to save you one point three million dollars. I'm never going to be on the side of, of uh, promoting the Rays cheapness or any other team. I think it's disgusting. Um, I'm just saying that with such a limited if, – if they're going to be DHs no matter what between Crone and Avisal Garcia, at least they got a guy who they feel like they can put in the field if necessary, and they did save some money. But that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about Crone in Minnesota. I want to talk about this more. I, for some reason, you do. So start your own po- – you have your own podcast. Go do a Friends with Fantasy like Benefits episode. Them. On that, and uh, I no one will listen to it. That'll be great. <laughs> Crone, if he bats second in Minnesota, which is where roster resource has him, whoa, right they now, have him batting second. There's yeah. no way he bats second. I would be so surprised. How sexy would that be, though? Because that's a solid ass lineup. Yeah, but you don't put you don't put a guy who is this kind of hitter. Doesn't make any sense. I I, I know. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just. Just going off of what they got. We use them a lot. We can use them even if it's something that we don't necessarily believe in. I'm just pointing it out. It's not guaranteed. We won't know until we start getting spring training games. Yeah, someone, someone at Ross Resource is a little drunk right now. It just seems odd. I feel like I feel like even on the heels of his garbage season, Jonathan Scope would be a better two hitter. He'd be a, a more reasonable fit there. Well, I mean, he'd be or more reasonable, Cap- but like he, he, he just wouldn't put be Rosario a good. There. Yeah, it's Rosario. Why isn't Rosario hitting four? They got him three. Or hitting two. And Nelson Cruz. Well, God, nobody walks. I forgot. This is the team where nobody walks. See, I'd go Polanco, Rosario, Cruz, Crone, Kepler, Sano, Scope, Castro. Let the pitcher bat instead of letting Byron Buxton bat. That's what I would do. <laughs> Actually, no, no, no. You know what? Forget the pitcher. Fan of the day. And every day, day, we just let a fan, not 
some games too. We'll pick some out of the road uh, out of the road stands there. <laughs> I, I, I like I like the way you think. Yeah, this is a team. Oh my god, yeah, that's right. Before they signed Nelson Cruz, they did not have a single regular projected to hit uh, or to have a on base percentage of three forty or higher. Well, that's mainly because Sano's batting average. Yeah, just because he, because he there. walks. He walks. So, um, but yeah, okay. Kepler th- two. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Crone isn't going to be any lower than five, I would imagine. So he no. is going to bat in the in the upper half of a f- quality order. Can he follow up? What, what, how, what's the follow-up of a 30-74-253 season look like to you for C.J. Crone? Is he going to repeat? Is he going to fall back? Where does he fall back to? Et cetera, I think et cetera. he falls back a little, but... I still think he hits 25 home runs. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason. Depth charts projection, I'm I'm liking that. 24 home runs, 74 runs batted in, 260, 320. Okay. That, seem, that seems yeah, fair. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. It's, it's in line with a lot of other guys. And, um, you know, we're doing two parts here on first base. I think next time when we do the second part of first base, it'll be much quicker and we'll pair it with something else. <laughs> I hope cause so, because this has already been like two hours and 16 yeah, minutes. Already. This is absurd. And Sorry, we haven't y'all. even put in the intro yet. I know. I know some of y'all do like the long episodes and some of you guys are going to really enjoy this. We've gone way too long. And that's There's the been a lot of tangents. And yes. I apologize for those who hate the tangents, but I haven't slept in about three and a half days. There so, like, this is just me making fun of Paul because I'm tired and, uh, and I deserve it. It's fun. Yeah. It's worth it's, it. uh, hopefully some, someone enjoyed this. All right. Well, let's wrap this up then. You already talked about your, your, uh, strategy. You'd, you'd like to get a, uh, a stud, but if not, you're fine taking some. You know, th- this has made me feel a lot better about the first base position. It I really think you're has. right. Me too, because I've been out there preaching about, about it too, saying like, be careful and even did a piece on it. But I think I'm really comfortable with some of these these mid mid guys. Later, even the later options, you got Smoke, you like Bowers. Uh, you know, I like Carlos Santana. I don't Mancini. want to become the Bowers guy, by the way. I I, I, nope, I that's your thing. This. No, I no, became no. the I Stratton guy this. last year because I said that's he'd be good NL only piece. No, you said that he was going to be Cy Young. You wrote yes. a piece. I have a Rotoware T-shirt that says it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I am not the Jake Bowers. No, nope, that's your thing, Jake Bowers. Uh, dang it! This is garbage. I don't want. Give him the Colette. He's a former nope. Ray. Nope, nope, no. I love Jake Bowers because he's going to be prime Eric Cosmer, and I love that. That's 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 you. This is not fair. I'd rather be the fucking Kyle Gibson guy. Shouldn't have written the article. It was a great article. Thank you very much. I am proud of that piece. And a lot of people, I got positive feedback on it. So thank you to those of you who aren't Justin Mason who actually liked it. Because most of the players, I think the two I liked my most, feedback on it in the, in, in the comment section. Go find yeah, that. We'll, go find that. Um, I think the two You've most divisive three of the ones, last five articles on him. <laughs> fuck. This is your dude. Just just flag player it no, up and not. just plant it. It is your guy. No! I don't want him. Okay, one was because of speed. The mm-hmm. other was just a first base breakdown. God, this sucks. 
we need to get Colette writing Dude, again. It's you like know, it's not even it's three three articles like in the last two weeks. It's not <laughs> even like it's not even like well, one of these articles is from two years ago. Like people just haven't been writing about Jake Bowers. It, it's like three in the last in, and after you post this and tag him in it, it'll be four out of five in the last two weeks. Oh, this man. is your dude. Just it's okay. Oh, it's not. It's okay. I would rather no, bring it's... up the Matt Carpenter failure than become the Jake. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Jake Bowers is my. When guy. When we make some stupid Probably. bet this year, it's going to be a Jake Bowers picture on your profile. Jake Bowers versus no, it's going to be on your profile because my guy's going to. Oh, come that's through. right. Yeah, it's got to be someone I hate and you love. <laughs> All right. Well. Apparently, I love Jake Bowers. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. That's bit the of a title of the show. Oh, God. Okay, it is. Apparently, I love Jake Bowers. That's the title of the episode. All right. Well, Justin, uh, this is goodbye for now. We're going to be meeting up with Colette here soon to record an intro, and maybe we'll have a JT Real Muto deal to break down, even though we've already broken it down despite it not happening yet. Oh, acquire JT Real Muto. We'll save it for later. Did they really? Yep. It's done. Awesome. It's like South, it looks like uh, Will Stewart is the third piece right now, and I don't know if Never there's going to be a fourth. Yeah, so it's Alfaro and Sixto, but they didn't get that that third gem. This is this is interesting. All right, well, I'm going to go because I'm actually going to write about this, then maybe put the DH thing till later. Peace out. Bye.